0: A little bit, you know. Like last year, things didn't go the way we wanted to. We made it all the way back here, but it just didn't go the way we wanted to. Thank God it worked out this year. Yeah, it feels great. I mean, I've said this multiple times. I believe that we got the best lineup of the state, and just having all those guys behind you and working together, getting this win, it feels great.
1: At the beginning of the season, everyone was like,
2: you know, this is not their year. It's next year, and we really embraced that. We embodied that as a team. You know, we're young. But we have a lot of talent here, and um, we came together as a team. You know, regular season we had our ups and downs. Obviously, we were 15 seed, but we came together in the state tournament. Played as a team, we were gritty, um, and we won games in the clutch, and that's what we have to do. All, all season, we set goals for ourselves,
3: in the beginning of the season, we hit every single mark we wanted to. 17 wins, home games, FCI championship, state championship. I think it just says a lot about the kids on this team. We're resilient, we fight, and uh, you know, this, this is the best team I've ever been on. So.
4: The final, the final high and tight of the baseball season. Uh, My name is Scott Erickson, the baseball beat writer for Game Time Scene T, and we are joined, as always, by the fat redhead dude, (laughs) Pete Pagawaga. Pete, how are you? (laughs) Good. Um, Two things. Been going to the gym, thanks for noticing.
3: And uh, I don't have any hair anymore.
4: Yes, so (laughs) I'm not calling Pat a pat. Pete, a fat redhead dude. Uh, he was called this on Twitter by someone who was funny. trashing us and trashing <laughs> high school kids. Um, I just think it's super funny. Uh, Pete's actually in great shape. He's been going to the gym. He's, I'm probably fatter than he is at this point. So I
3: just honestly thought it was the funniest thing because it was like they they had your name. They're like, you know, Erickson. Erickson. And then I'm like, oh, it's, it wouldn't be hard to find my name. So he that person just wanted to insult me. <laughs> It was great. It was great. Look, it was a great weekend. Uh, we had an awesome time. Um, you know, eight great teams walked on that field. Four came home champions. We saw three great games mm-hmm. and one good game. Yeah. Um, we we had a lot of fun with the Berlin guys. Um, the fans came out. Shout out Kevin Dunn, made the cardboard cutout of me. Awesome. Uh, like five feet tall. Um, it was a fun weekend. I, I, I can't stress how much fun I had covering baseball this year just the way that the coaches and the players and the fans really you know kind of played along with us and 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 you know bought in and whether it was listening to this podcast or reading our stuff or following us on twitter where you know we have that relationship now where we can go back and forth and have fun and and talk baseball and and it's all fun yeah
4: like, like, again we don't hate any of your teams yeah any of the teams we picked against any of that like I, I, people were chirping at us all, all week, you know. Yeah. What your pick? What about this? What about that? And at, and at the games, too, at Palmer, people were yelling at us, and we love it. The Southington kids were yelling at us after the yeah. semifinals. Game time, again, worst game time. Worst game time.
3: It was fun, and you guys make it so fun. And it was honestly, I love covering football. I really love covering hockey, too, but I think this might have been my favorite season where I've ever gotten to cover a sport. Where it was like I got to see so many teams, so many players, uh, got to know so many people, and had a lot of fun. I mean, every day was something new. Where someone was in my Twitter mentions, being like, "Why'd you pick against us?" or "Keep picking against us?" or you know, people texting like, "Why do you hate this school?" Like, you know, we either hate every school or we love every school. Like that's it.
4: (laughs) And and I, this is my favorite season. I don't think that I'm hiding anything there. I love baseball as much as I like covering basketball, soccer, football, that stuff. Baseball is my favorite. I love it. I love the coaches. I love the kids. I love the games. I love being in the stadiums. I love everything about baseball. And this season did not disappoint. Uh, it's one of my favorite seasons I've ever covered. I got to see way more teams than I've ever seen all over the state. Um, and just thank you for letting us do this yeah. and, and letting us cover your games and, and see your kids. And They were amazing. Um, yeah, the Class S championship game, uh, Coventry beat Chapag 3 nothing uh then there was three other shutouts in the state finals uh which is rare it's only the second time it ever happened where three of the four games were shutouts and then of course the last game was class m and i said there's no way that (laughs) that this is ending in a shutout and sure enough it was was 6-3 uh st joe over Walkett. but they they both teams scored in the first inning on home runs, so that was that went out the window right away uh and then in class l waterford obviously won um uh knocking off number one berlin um again one nothing game awesome game that started the weekend for us um so what we did this today and oh and a double l uh some team named staples uh <laughs> defeated sullington in another awesome awesome game so what we're doing today is we have all four coaches from the winning teams packed episode packed, packed episode, episode. Uh, it's gonna be long but <laughs> let me tell you something it's great all these coaches are awesome to talk to as are 99 percent of baseball coaches yeah Even when they lose, they're very gracious for the most part and accommodating and funny and affable, and losing state championships stinks, and three of the four guys that lost state championships were really, really accommodating and awesome after the games, and we want to thank them, too, because that is not an easy time to talk. Your kids are crying. You're upset, and to do that, we really appreciate it, so... Without further ado, we're going to get into our first interview of the day uh, with Coventry coach Ryan Guyberson. So here we go. We are joined now by Class S champion coach Ryan Guyberson from Coventry. Coach, welcome to High and Tight.
5: Yeah, thanks for having us. I appreciate it. Or having me, I should say.
4: <laughs> all, all, <laughs> I'm the all, only all, one here, I promise. All of Coventry is with you, though. And, and they were behind you. I mean, that was a great crowd you guys had up there for for a small town. Yeah,
5: I think the same for Chappog. I mean, I, I, I just, uh, you know, certainly we've turned into a baseball town. we had a, a storied history, you know, in years past. Um, it hit a little bit of a lull, I think the last 20 years and um you know when we got hired i think we did a good job of changing the culture but regardless of whatever the sport is our community is super supportive we have great people in our town it's you know it's a tight-knit community um the outreach from alumni and people in the town has been amazing so you know i think that support system for our kids is awesome
4: uh coach so before we talk about this year let's go back to last year you make the final you run into notre dame fairfield you guys score six runs in that game you don't win the championship did your kids commit from that moment forward uh, to get back to that game?
5: Yeah, I think they did. Right, so they, they self-titled it as the Revenge Tour. Um, <laughs> really just take things, you know. <laughs> I didn't come up with that. I promise. But, I love it. Um, you know, yeah, right. It, it just you know we, we certainly take things one day at a time. I mean, they work really hard in the off season. Uh, a bunch of our kids hit the weights. You know, they go to open gyms. Obviously, they all play in the off season. Uh, last year, I just. You know, I'm not sure I thought we had a chance to win the game with Matt on the mound but we really had five or six sophomores in the starting lineup so I, I kind of used to joke I you know it was like three kids in a JV team basically that made a run all the way to the state championship but just the fact that we were down six runs in that game and we were able to cut it to eight to six and they tagged on a couple more in the seventh um, really set a tone but it's just you know it's the type of kids that we have you know we have grinders we have kids that battle kids that don't give up and they, they play hard till the last out so you know we did that consistently this year um and it put us in a good spot
4: it's one thing to say that you want to get back it's not easy to get back to that championship game was there a moment this year where you kind of felt like this crew could do it
5: would do it or would not no could
4: could do it yeah
5: yeah so um i mean that's the ultimate goal no matter what team we have i think for everybody when you start the season the ultimate goal is to play as long as you can obviously um, last year, I can tell you, I, I didn't even think we were good until after the quarterfinal game. We beat Old Sabre at 10 nothing, and I finally looked at us, and I was like, okay, maybe we're pretty good.
3: <laughs> this year,
5: we won our conference tournament. Uh, Cookie took a ball off the head against Leo Smith, and he was out. So our conference tournament's like a top-four team, so it's actually pretty cool to even get in it. We've been in it the past six years. But you take the top-four teams, and you play a doubleheader. And we won the first game. Cole Oli pitched a shutout, one nothing against Rockville, and we came back against Granby who was a really good team and we were able to hang on that game Jarrasco kept us in and I actually brought Cole back in to close the game out and they both had like two pitches left for the entire day and uh, you know we won that tournament and to do that without Matt especially from a pitching perspective obviously you had to use some reserve players which is awesome was a great experience for them but I think at that point I just you know I thought we were kind of locked in yeah and, and I knew we were going to make a run I mean even if we lost I knew it'd be hard to knock out because our kids really just don't give up so you know again I mean we were, we were back to one day at a time but at that point we, we really felt like we were going to be in any game that we played
4: and this is still a fairly young team you only had five seniors in this team did these juniors uh really step up and did that sophomore experience obviously help them
5: Absolutely, yeah. We had three seniors this year and two starters. So, okay, um, it's the junior class that really, you know, has a bunch of talent, and you know, we were able to kind of piece piece some things together with some of the younger guys. But you know, in high school, the experience matters. Yeah, they talk about it in the NFL or in you know college basketball or whatever. They talk about experience that it's one game and who knows. But I think to say that it doesn't matter for us, you know, I'd be lying. I mean, there's a big difference between a sophomore and a junior boy, or even a senior and junior boy. Just for us going forward next year, it's going to be a matter of keeping these kids competitive, hungry, um, not becoming complacent or entitled. You know, so I, I think the experience is a good thing. Um, even though we only had a couple seniors this year, you know, their leadership was huge. So a kid like Jordan Jarosko is probably the greatest kid I've ever coached. I mean, just you know, works hard, does things right all the time, and I think our team took on his personality. Same with Nikolai Fresh, and those guys have done an people job. Um, so. You know that's going to be hard to replace, but hopefully somebody will step up and do it in this larger junior class.
4: You must have been happy then watching him uh, sprint around those bases with that inside the park home run.
5: Yeah, I mean Nikolai actually, if, if he hit it, he probably would have been standing up. He almost could have ran around twice, <laughs> not not quite as fast, uh, probably a little bit smarter. But you know, takes the right angles, does things the right way, and he just, you know, I, I can't imagine a more fitting way for anybody to go out, and hit a home run last year in the state championship, and then this year to kind of seal the deal with an inside the parker. I mean, I I think it was somewhat karmatic for him. Yeah, Um, You know, maybe we got a little boost from something else to make the throw a little bit up the line or whatever, but, you know, that was an awesome experience for him. I was happy for him.
3: Uh, (laughs) Coach, take me through that uh, inside the parker, because when Scott and I talked before we were saying how, like, you guys had to be aggressive, you guys had to be gritty, you guys had to take advantage of opportunities and force Shapag to make the play. You were waving Jordan around as he was rounding second base. I mean, you, like, you didn't even... It seemed like you didn't even care what the ball was. You were sending him no matter what. You were going to force Shapag to make the play out at the plate.
5: Right. So, uh, Chris Wojcik, who's at Eastern, actually, you know, he, he watched the game and he's like, I thought you were a <laughs> complete moron for sending him <laughs> around. But then he goes, I remember this is high school and kids don't always make the play. Yeah. So... With two outs, that was our first day of the game. Nikolai scores, we're up to, um, you know, this is not all going on in my head, I guess, at that time, but, you know, Cookie's on deck, and at that point, you really just you're going to give up an out with Cookie to make sure he's ready to shut him down on the other end. So um, when I saw their center fielder fumble the ball in the fence, I just kept waving Jordan around, and I think he was about a step over the bag or maybe at the bag when the shortstop caught it. So when the center fielder picked it up, he actually made a pretty quick relay. But, you know, a perfect throw. Or even decent throwing catches out, but you know Jordan's going to make a great slide attempt at the plate. We're going to pick him up, so I thought we had a chance. And if we didn't score him, we didn't score him. You know, you'll take the two-run lead, um, keep the momentum, and just go back out the next inning. So I, to me, it was just a higher high reward play, not a ton of risk, and it ended up working out.
3: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, all right, so you got <clears> to <throat> fill in our listeners about and Scott and I. What's a day in Coventry like? I've never been there, and I want to know all about it. Wow, that's a great question. So <laughs> I actually live in
5: town, the town over, which I guess is probably somewhat boonies for you guys, right? But, yeah, uh, I, I have it up on in, Google
3: Maps, so I know exactly where it is Coventry right now.
5: Coventry or Todd, you have Coventry. Yeah, so <laughs> a day in Coventry, well, um, the Big Well has awesome wings, right? There's a place down the road that's pretty, pretty famous. Um, there's a lake. Which I guess back in the 20s was a super big resort area for people from New York and Western Connecticut. So people like the lake. Um, other than that, you know, just a lot of a lot of hardworking blue collar people, super supportive, like we talked about, tight knit community. Um, but I don't really know what else there is to do. Maybe that's why our kids like to play baseball instead of playing <laughs> Fortnite
3: <Man> or something. <laughs> well, that's know. good. That's good. That's good. Well, well, well we, we we might have to make a trip next year. But absolutely. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Absolutely.
3: <clears throat> when you have a guy, a guy. When you have a pitcher like Matt Cook. Is there just a different confidence level when you know that you can hand him the ball and say, hey, you know, he pitched pretty well last year in the finals. I could give him the ball back. I mean, even talking to him after the game, he seemed so locked in at the end of the game. He was like, yeah, we weren't going to lose like this time around. And he's like, I wanted the ball. I wanted another crack at it. And there's, you know, a lot of teams don't get a second chance to win a state title after losing it. How impressed were you with him as a sophomore, um, as a junior this year, to kind of take that kind of leadership I want the ball give me the ball I'm gonna win the game you know kind of mentality from a young player
5: yeah I think it's I think it's great right I just you know like like you said we understand or you know how hard it is to get back or to make a state championship especially in baseball right they talk about we need to play in a best of three series we need to do all this stuff because it's not a game that's meant to be played on you know just one day. Uh, which actually could work out for you, though, right? I mean, you know, you, you have the chance to beat a team that you might not beat two out of three times. And so, I mean, I guess it works both ways. Um, but with Matt and his maturity and his ability to just come back, I, I just, uh, you know, it's impressive. And I think the thing with him is that he's done better than anybody I've ever had. If we score a run or two runs, he gets us back in the dugout every single time. You know, Jordan, I think, is great at battling in games that are 0-0, one But I, I've never seen anybody that just kind of, boost our momentum as a team if, if we give him support he gives it right back and then we kind of just go you know and there's a couple games he's pitched this year that ended up being 10 nothing mercy rule games you know on paper but it was a lot of like we score a couple runs Matt strikes out the side you know we score a couple <laughs> more runs he does the same thing and we just keep going and going and going yeah so you know, I mean, it's, it's it's certainly an awesome asset for our kids. And, you know, he, he did an unbelievable job this year.
4: When you guys are in that semifinal game and he maybe doesn't <clears throat> have his best stuff, St. Paul's getting a lot of runners on. You guys have some great defensive plays like by Cole Lally in left field. Uh, yep. Do you, is that when you're channeling that NCC, uh, C tournament, you know, and playing without him and kind of saying, hey, guys, we can do this even if Matt's not at his best today?
5: Absolutely, right. And, and I think even at Housatonic we were down 2 nothing in the first inning, actually, which people don't remember that. And we came back and put one on the board and put another one on the board and kept rolling. So, uh, you know, we've done it all year. We, we realized there's no clock and you can't win 21 games in a row without doing something right. I don't care who you play. And actually, I think our schedule this year was a lot tougher than last year, based on our out-of-conference games or our conference championship games. But um, I think that was a huge momentum boost for us, a huge experience. And, you know... It's tough to say Matt wasn't at his best. I don't think that he was, but there was some infield hits there. Yeah, we made an error. Eventually, something was going to crack against a team like that. And you know, they had great team speed up and down the lineup, so they put more pressure on our defense than most teams that we played. But you know, to be down four nothing and and really not even compartmentalize the game and score one run here and two runs in the sixth. I mean, to come back out and put up a five spot is incredible.
4: And, the, know, that, and then and that the Rally
5: game even better.
4: Yeah, and then that rally obviously has to carry you into the finals. The kids' confidence had to be off the charts after that semifinal win, wasn't it?
5: Yeah, right. I mean, and he, you know, he just his batting average, I guess, against is actually lower than Matt's. Yeah. Um he doesn't throw as many strikes as Jordan and, and Matt did this year, but he, you know, he pitched a one nothing shutout at HK, struck out the bases loaded, the guy with the bases loaded in the, the game. Pitched a one nothing shutout in the conference tournament against Rockville, ended up losing to St. Joe's in the semis. Um. So he was prepared for it, you know, and I think last year at 4 nothing, I probably would have stuck with Matt because I wouldn't have felt comfortable bringing in somebody behind him. But this year when we're still in the game, you know, we knew we had to get him out. We had to make a change, and yeah. it makes it easy if you can go to Cole.
3: <laughs> yeah, <I'm laughs> sure that. Uh, you know, you sent over um, a couple of guys' stats uh, at the end of the year to me earlier this week, and I was taking a look at them. And, <clears throat> you know, we again, we like to talk about Matt Cook a lot. He's dominant. He's a stud. Strikeouts galore! He had 108 this year, the most in 71 yep. innings. But I think the most impressive part of his stat: 11 walks two were intentional. He walked nine guys yep. in 70 yep. innings. You don't really see that very much, so in high school, especially for a, you know a kid who throws so hard and likes to blow the ball by someone, right? Is that just the yeah. way that like you guys you know kind of uh, set up when he's pitching? Like, hey, throw strikes, get ground balls. You know, you strike out guys. Or is that just the way that he's always been?
5: Yeah, well, I think it's both. I mean, if you look at Jordan's numbers, I mean, these are the guys that we throw. And in years past, we've won with guys who throw 70 miles an hour, but they hit spots, they come up, they come down, they go in and out, and they throw strikes. Yeah. So I think even Jordan was like 52 innings with nine walks. So if you take him and Matt's innings, and I'm kind of speaking off the cuff here, but it's like 123 innings with 19 walks for those guys. It's insane. Uh, and the strikeout numbers for Jordan, he's almost a strikeout in inning as well. He's more of a pitch to contact guy. Uh, Matt, you know, even with his maturation process, so when he did in the championship game, you know, when he needs to dial it up and get a strikeout, he does. Yeah. And when he needs to pitch the contact, he does. So in the middle innings, when he needs a six pitch inning, you know, he's going to pitch the contact. He'll take a little off, just move the ball out and try to get a ground ball or something. But, um, you know, you have to throw strikes in high school baseball. And Chappog, for us, was the perfect example. I didn't think we were going to hit their kid down, but I knew we might be able to work a couple of bats and get some guys on base. So the first run is an error and a bunt, you right. And then the the next two runs are a two-out walk. So for us, I mean, we just, we're not going to beat ourselves. That's the thing. And if, if, you know, guys in high school are going to hit four balls in the gap in a row, then we're just going to tip our caps and move on. But it doesn't happen too often, right? It usually is a walk an error and then somebody hits the ball in the gap. So um, it's certainly philosophical for us to throw strikes that's got great mechanics, you know, great ability to repeat his motion, probably better than most kids his age, which is also why I think his fastball is pretty consistent. Yep. But yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, I mean, it's very impressive, no doubt.
3: How about having, um, and you know, it could be him, it could be other guys, but even at that semifinal game, there were like ten scouts or college uh, college scouts at that game. Has that ever like I don't know like happened in Coventry or you know, it just seems like whenever. You know, Matt was on the mound. There was like a bunch of people there wanting to watch him play. And does that, I guess, make any guys like nervous, or, or you know, I, even I'm standing there and I'm watching them shoot. I'm like, oh man, I hope Matt throws well. Like, there's like 20 <laughs> right, people here right. watching, you know. But like right. to have that like at your games and, and 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 stuff like that. Obviously, I talk to them and, and a lot of them are all interested in Matt but has that ever happened in your tenure there at Coventry where you have a player so electric that like there are guys that are lining up to watch him pitch, you know, for next level, the next level? Yeah,
5: probably not to this extent, no question. And I think, you know, I guess that's a two-part question. I mean, certainly it's tough for a kid. It's going to make him a little more nervous. I think Matt was a little nervous in that semi-final game, to be honest, where he felt more comfortable in the championship game. Um but, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, if you're going to pitch at a higher level, you better get used to it, right? Yeah. If you're going to be a division one guy or a pro guy, um, it's something that's going to happen all the time. And I, I don't think most of our guys don't really pay attention to the distractions. They just like to play, which is amazing. You know, even our freshman kid at second base,
0: what yeah, amazed Los me the most about
5: him was just his, his poise. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's up against some kid throwing 86 miles an hour and fouling pitches off the backstop like it's nothing. He's 92 pounds and he's not. I mean, he's going to be a great player, but he's, <laughs> you know, He's not a 17-year-old kid yet, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it certainly adds a little bit of pressure, but so does winning, right? I mean, in each stage that you go up, I mean, you're on a different platform, you're on a different stage, and you have to be able to handle it. We actually, um, side note, we had our first kid drafted, too, last week was Malachi Emmons, who graduated in 2015, got drafted by the Orioles in the 18th round, so... You know, just to just to have him come by for practice and show these kids that you know you don't need to go to some big time prep school or whatnot to yeah. even draft out of Coventry or you can go play in college out of here is awesome.
4: Where does he you play? Know, he's got to really set the tone. What's that? Where does he play? Or did
5: Malachi was at? He went to Alberta's Magnus. Yeah. Then he transferred out to Western Oklahoma College. Then he went to uh, New Mexico. So He played two years of Division One ball, and the Orioles just picked him up in the 18th round.
3: Orioles love Connecticut kids. I feel like every <laughs> year they draft like one or two Connecticut kids.
5: Yeah, well, I, I just I think you know with Mal and um, everybody wants a piece of it, but for sure. But I remember his senior year because he had a big frame. I mean, he didn't even really pitch for us until his junior year, and I actually threw him off the team because he was being a bonehead. So he came back his senior year, and I remember telling my assistant coach, you know, I'm like, this kid could be a problem. if he gets his act together because he's a big kid. He doesn't have a ton of miles on his arm, yeah. and I think the guys that you see out of the south or out of Texas or California, they're almost peaked by the time they're 18. And our kids just have a lot of room to grow. And Mal just went to one school, started working out hard. Went to another school, started working out hard. Got his last two years paid for, and he got drafted. Yeah. So That's, I mean, it's it's
3: awesome. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, a lot of kids, and you know, you, I just hear it all the time. Like, I'm going to go Division One. I'm going to do this. I'm going to. I had a buddy of mine. He went Juke. He went the JUCO route. Got drafted after two years. I mean, I've had friends Absolutely. from Southern who you know play D2 got drafted you go D3 got drafted baseball is that sport where it's like you don't have to go to a power 5 school you don't have to play in the 100%. college world series you can go just play well wherever you are and if you're good enough they will find you and that's like no, the no weird doubt. thing about baseball is that you know I, I, you hear it a lot in this state and it's nothing against this is a great baseball program in UConn. but you hear every you know every year we got two or three kids Who play the same position and they're committed to go to UConn. And it's like, that's awesome. Like, if you can go play at UConn, you have a very good shot at going to the next level because Jim Penders does an unbelievable job there. But I hear from these kids and they all play the same position. Or like, there's a guy ahead of them who's going to play there for three years. And you go, what if they went to like Sacred Heart or Fairfield or Southern? Like, if you're good and you could play for four years and you hit really well, I mean, Connor Bierfeld from Torrington went to Western. He was the D3 player right. of the year two years in a row. Yeah. Like, if you're yeah. good enough, no matter where you play, like, it's okay to not go Division one in baseball because you will get your shot.
5: Absolutely. No, and I, and I couldn't agree more, right? And I, I just think we get too stuck on that label, um, you know. And or Like you said, I mean, if you can get guys out at the next level, they're going to find a spot for you. If yeah. you can hit at the next level, they're going to find a spot for you. I, I mean, I, even for small school guys, I think a lot of schools – pass on guys from, from coventry or from stafford or from summers and i think there's a lot of value there you know and I, I'm, I'm in touch with a lot of coaches that actually value our guys and the way that they play um you know maybe now this will change a little bit we'll get some more guys in but uh right i mean these guys get overlooked because we just typecast these kids and we look for a certain mold and a certain frame yep. and a certain style and, and it's just you know you don't have to do that
4: yeah gritty gritty wins games Coach, you guys, you guys are obviously a small school. What, what's the key to sustaining success? You know, Not just one, two years, but having a program where year in and year out you're going to be having successful kids. I mean, is it a youth program or is it something you guys are doing You know, once they get to you guys?
5: Yeah, so um, what we do is we recruit a bunch of kids from other towns and we bring them into our school. No, <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I bring in kids from New York and from Rhode Island and then I, I give them a beach <laughs> on Cotterbury Lake. No, so... Um, I'm totally kidding.
4: No, you you, you to sell crazy. them on those wings and the, and the lake, and they're all there. Yeah, right. I, I would oh, yeah, come for the lake, don't worry.
5: Yeah, no, the lake is beautiful. But I can't <laughs> afford a beach house for nine kids. So I think, you know, we run youth clinics. Uh, obviously, I work in the high school. We run clinics this year for the coaches in the Little League. Our Little League theater system has certainly improved a ton. Um, yeah, our middle school used to have one of my kids coaching it. So I mean, we have we have all these systems in place. Um, uh, I actually coach volleyball and we've been very successful here. So I think the idea of, of winning and culturally having a lot of success and doing things the right way rubs off on the girls as it does with the boys as well. So, you know, and, and, and to be fair, you know, we've had a, a good crop of kids, but I mean, you're right. I mean, we're six, seven years in a row. We've made the semifinals three out of the last five years. Yeah. Um, which is hard you know, it's, it's really it's hard, hard for any school yeah yeah right i mean we're not amity we're not sunnington right so for these guys to do it i mean and for them to just maintain those expectations is, is really impressive but i think all that stuff kind of helps uh, i think the culture helps we, we have less kids you know honestly got to leave the school so when i first started we would get kids that would go to wyndham tech or teeny tech or east catholic or wherever i think most of the kids now actually stay yeah so you know all, all of that kind of intertwines and, and helps us be successful
3: uh, coach, I got, it's been, uh, been what, five days since you guys won. Um, obviously, you know, the immediate reaction is like relief and oh my God, we won. But have you had a chance to kind of sit back and, and kind of look at what you guys did and, you know, like how, how can you describe this season from this team a couple of days after you guys won the championship?
5: Yeah. So I made a joke at the all state banquet, um, Coach Steiner from Ram came up and he gave the team of the year to Staples, which obviously is a great choice to get Staples. They have Chad Knight; they're awesome. But I'm like, geez, man, what do you need to do to get team of the year? around So, um, Roscoe's mom, she sent me some stats, and you know, she's like, we're 18 and two, we're 25 and two overall. We've won six games against M and L schools. You know, two teams without cooking the tournament. 21 games in a row, we won. Never gave up more than four runs in a game. I'm just reading off the email. Um, we outscored our opponents by 150 runs, and wow. we had eight shutouts and six mercies. So, and, and you know, on top of the two all-state kids, the all-conference kids, the academic all-state kids, the current players of the year, and all that. Um, I mean, it's it's just the body of work for this group is just it's it's pretty unbelievable, you know. So, and again, no offense to Chad Knight and the Staples group; those guys are awesome. They certainly deserve it, but. Um, what these guys put together this year, and like you guys witnessed, to be able to do it coming from behind against a good team, um, you know, beating actually we beat four good teams in this tournament, and to win 21 games in our own baseball is, is virtually impossible.
3: Yeah,
4: you just have to win another one next year. Then.
3: All right, so we're, so we're gonna yeah we're gonna start the petition. We are we are backing Coventry as team of the year. We're the only podcast. The
4: we are we are a Coventry.
3: <laughs> yeah, Pro-Coventry <laughs> Team of the Year podcast. Only one in the state.
5: I, I don't think those guys from Staples won 21 games in a row. <laughs> I don't think we won 21 games in a row in the FCAC either. It's <laughs> a different beast. Right, a different nah, beast. Nah, I, think, I think they're more than deserving. Um, but again, I just I rattle off some numbers. I mean, if, if we didn't get it this year, we ain't get
3: it. <laughs> well, just do it again. I mean, you guys have so many guys back. Obviously, you have Matt back. You, you are losing Jordan, which is a big uh, loss because... Again, when people talk Coventry this year, they were talking Matt Cook. Twitter, right. chat, Matt Cook. Uh, people were, like, reaching out to me being like, you need to go see him. Uh, here are his numbers. You know, all the reporters are like, He's Matt Cook pitching today? But you kind of, <laughs> right. you know, Jordan, and I'm not going to try and pronounce his last name because I— Jurasco. Jurasco um, right. I mean, his numbers, he had 42 hits this year, 1-5 ERA, 6 wins. I mean— how are you guys going to look to replace Jordan next year to you know to, to kind of complement Matt as you guys try to you know go for back to back titles?
5: Yeah, again, I think it's more of the intangibles with Jordan. I, I don't you know physically, Cole Ali is going to be a really good number two, I would think most likely. You know, we've always been able to develop a three or four guys, so we have some pieces there. Um, I, I just think what Jordan brings to the table from a leadership standpoint, like I said earlier, my buddy called and he said that you know our team just took on his personality and philosophically for me it's it's just you know these kids come in and we talk about winning we talk about culture we talk about doing the right things in the classroom and playing the game the right way and showing up to practice and showing up on time and you know just our practices really are probably harder than the games doing all that stuff and it sounds easy in theory right just to do the right thing all the time uh, but it's not it's not easy with 30 high school kids to get them to do that but jordan's that type of guy yeah you know, and he just, we had a couple conversations about him maybe getting into guys and they weren't doing the right thing. And, you know, he's not the type of kid that's going to, you know, get in somebody's face and scream at him, but um, he leads by example. And he does things right, like I said, all the time. And it really just feeds off on our kids and it raises the level of everybody's play. Yeah, so I, mean, I ha- think, no, go ahead.
3: No, I was going to say, just having, you know, you, you, you look at the championship teams around the state and the teams that were in the finals and, and and you hear stories about these teams who like you know you look at like uh, i think it was last year with the walkit like they had a couple of guys on that team who who were like would play with peanuts in their pocket or whatever. And it just became this thing around the team that they kind of rallied around. And and the way you talk about Jordan is having that guy that like, it's like, all right, like if we're going to have a good practice today, it's going to be because Jordan's going to have a good practice or, you know, like the bus ride's going to be fun because he's going to be, you know, playing music or or doing whatever. And having a guy like that who's like a lightning rod for the team is so important important where if you don't have a good you know you know you talk to some coaches talk to some kids and you're like what's the biggest difference between this year and last year and they're like honestly our captains are better our the senior leadership is better not that the kids weren't good last year but it's different it's better and and having a guy like that is so, I don't I don't think people really I think people look at the numbers and they look at the names and they go, Well, Coventry was good because Matt Cook's an absolute stud. It's like, no no, they were good because Matt Cook's an absolute stud. But the way that you guys were on the bench, the way that you guys rallied, it it all stems from one player or two players who who really have that energy, that kind of lead everything. And it's you know, obviously Jordan was great, like don't get me wrong, like he had great numbers, but I think his value was doing the other stuff as well, where he made the team better by just being himself
5: hundred percent, you know what I mean? And he really led us and it was the sum of our parts together that, you know, and again, like I, I love Matt. He was awesome. You know, Matt won 11 games, obviously with everybody behind us, he won 25, you know? So um, yeah, I mean, he was certainly an important piece just like everybody else, but you know, Jordan was just, was the glue. And I think, you know, Nikolai Freshman as well as our other senior captain was very similar, but if you look at just how consistent we were, you know, and I think again, that's the approach of those two guys, Jordan and Nikolai. And at some point, I thought we were going to lose. I thought maybe we needed to lose a game, right? You need a character loss somewhere in there. But we just kept winning, and we kept coming back. Um, and we didn't need to. You know, we just we just kept going. And I think that speaks to Jordan's consistency. I mean, even at St. Paul, we're down 4-3. to three, We're coming back. And Jordan comes up with two outs. And in my head, I'm like, hey, he's probably just going to hit a double, right? You know, And he does, right? And then it's like, <laughs> Nikolai walks with two outs. And I'm in my head, I'm like, ah, here we go. You know, so we, we know Nikolai's going to move, he takes off, and George just hits a missile in the gap. I mean, it's unbelievable how many times he did it, but he did it all year long in big spots. So. But no doubt. I mean, you, you can't replace the leadership. You can't replace the intangibles, and, and he was awesome for us.
4: That's awesome, Coach. And, and you guys had a fantastic season. We want to congratulate you again, and we want to thank Ryan uh, Guyberson for joining us from Coventry. Uh, and uh, maybe we can book you for the show next year at this time, too, when you, when you guys repeat. Yeah, well, we'll give it a shot. You know? Hopefully we'll <laughs> no pressure. No days, pressure. And then we'll get back on the recruiting. Journey. How about this? If you
3: guys, if you guys, <laughs> if you guys uh, win it again, we'll take the show up the road to Coventry. Oh, there we go. We'll do it on nah, campus. Hey, hey,
5: come on up. We'll go down to the Bidwell. will do a live, a live broadcast from the Bidwell. It'll be awesome. Oh, oh,
3: I'm awesome. all in on that.
5: I'll hold you guys to
3: that. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> all
4: right, thanks so much awesome. for joining us, Coach. Thank you so much, yeah, Coach. Thanks, Have a great Scott. summer.
5: Yeah. Thanks, Pete. Take care. Later. All right. Talk to you.
4: Doug. Oh, we want to thank ryan giberson for joining us um he was great awesome i love coventry coventry won 21 games in a row yeah I mean, that's, that's just so matt awesome. cook was um,
3: dominant in the you know we talked a lot about matt cook in that interview because he is that good he's only a junior so go out and go see him next year and the kid just deals straight shed doesn't walk, guys. Was awesome in the in the in the finals. Uh, I'm glad Coventry won. I, I'm, you know, again, we we don't, we don't hate every team, we don't love it. You know what I mean? Like it's all the same. But Coventry being there last year, losing to Notre Dame.
4: Yeah, we like we like a team that comes back from a final loss and makes it all the way back to the final because it is really yeah. hard. Baseball, the baseball tournaments are the hardest tournaments to win in all of CIAC sports. I don't care what anyone else says. Single elimination baseball is the hardest
3: yeah he it is uh, but it was nice to see two class two real Class S teams go at it public schools yeah playing a very good game awesome against game. each other um, you know Shapag can't hang their head they allowed one hit one it hit was a big hit
4: inside the park on run but it but was one hit
3: it was one hit and uh, it was a very good Class S baseball game where you were watching two teams who were equal on that field.
4: Uh, so then we moved on to Class M, and here we had uh, you know Private versus Public, and uh, St. Joseph, um, who we thought had the best lineup, one of the best lineups in the state at any level, yeah. uh, cool. came out and showed it in the first inning. Steve Paolini had a home run in the first inning, uh, and then St. Joe just kept hitting from there. They scored six runs. Uh, the nine runs that were scored total in this game outscored the other three games combined uh, because the other three games were so well-pitched. Um, this is a game we had we had more pitching changes, too, but really it wasn't a bad game at all it was very exciting it was into it walcott had chances to rally and then win uh and st joe just ended up uh coming out on top uh, michael Shav's came in in relief and in just a dominant last two innings uh you know struck out i think four kids or five kids over the last yeah. two innings to get out of it uh he was awesome uh jimmy evans uh starting the game was awesome um you know he, he had a fantastic start and then like we said their bats are just awesome so Without further ado, we're going to throw this to our interview with St. Joe's coach Jim Shavs. We are joined by Class M state championship coach Jim Shavs from St. Joe's. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us,
2: guys. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.
3: Absolutely. Um, thank you for for joining us. I, I know you're you're quite busy, but you know we got we got to talk about. Obviously, you guys won the Class M championship and um you know you did it in such a very impressive way with the bats i mean this lineup how do you put that lineup together like does it matter who's hitting well or you kind of just put those guys in and you know someone's going to step up
2: uh you know we we actually did some tinkering with the lineup throughout the year you know we had a couple we really at one point i thought we were struggling to find like a true number two hitter and then um you know we settled in on evans uh you know, basically, we just needed somebody a little bit more to protect Paolini up there, yeah. since people started pitching around him. I mean, <laughs> obviously, so you know, we d- we did the old, you know, bat him in the leadoff spot. You know, hope they don't walk him that much, but you know, <laughs> top to bottom, one through nine, I mean, our li- our lineup was sound, solid. Uh, not not too difficult to write that lineup up for sure.
3: Yeah, no, that was uh, <laughs> just just the word I just use is just mashing like whenever I talk about St. Charles I'm like they just mash (laughs) they just they just hit the ball hard everywhere all around the field I mean and Paolini showed in that the second pitch of the game he goes oppo Um, and the ball just kept going everyone's like oh it looks like a pop-up and the left fielder just keeps running and you're just kind of watching the ball just traveling and traveling and traveling and that was a nice shot to start off the game
2: no absolutely he (laughs) uh you know he's just a specimen I mean the kid's a strong kid so I mean we've we've seen him hit to all fields all season. But I, I, I truly can't say I thought that first one there was was going out. I mean, like you just said, the left fielder just kept going back, back, back. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this thing's actually getting out of here. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it certainly was a great way to start a, a championship game. Took oh, a lot of pressure off a lot of the other guys.
3: Absolutely. You kind of felt like the uh, – because I was, I was actually standing on the – Walked side because they have that little porch where I could shoot photos. And they were, like, pretty hyped for the game. And then the second pitch, he hits it out, and it was just silence. It was like, oh, okay, here we go.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's especially him of all people to do it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, oh,
3: he, he shut a lot of people up, I'll tell you that one. Because, <laughs> like, you know, look, when you have a guy like him, and then obviously he was great all year, but then he gets drafted in the fifth round. And now it's it's the same thing. It was like in the Double L game with Chad Knight. Everyone's yelling "overrated," and like it's a very nice, easy way to shut people up when you put the ball out going apo.
2: So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I'm sure he felt he felt pretty good uh, knocking that one out, oh. shutting that crowd up for a little while. But you know, I I think he came in expecting to get heckled a bit, and yeah, you know, they they certainly we're getting on him during the game for sure
3: it's the benefit I mean that comes with the territory of being drafted and being one of the best players in the state and it's nice when you see the kids handle it in a very mature way so it was he was great to watch
2: no absolutely you know it's not like Derek Jeter was going to Fenway Park getting uh yeah exactly
4: (laughs) as the scouts were showing up all season was he feeling that pressure or was he still just going out there and doing his thing every day
2: he, he really was just going up there, just doing his things. I, I even asked him after a while. I was like, you, you know, do you get nervous? These guys are watching you hit in a cage. They're watching you take BP. They're watching you stretch. They're watching you warm up. And he's like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> and he, he really, I, it's just, I mean, he, he just, he actually has a really good demeanor for the whole thing. And he, he just, he kind of like embraced it and just wanted to show these guys how good he actually was. And I, I'm Obviously, he impressed enough people.
3: <laughs> he just seems like such a like. I was talking to him after the game, and he's got like he's got like the flow, and he's like, just seems like so. He seems like such a Cali bro. <laughs>
2: yeah, no, he's he certainly belongs out in California for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> On a surfboard, or something. exactly. He's just like I was like. Yeah, how does it feel? You
3: know, you win a championship, this and this. And he's, well, you know, it's good, man. You know, you know, bro. I'm like, I'm like, God, like I, I like I freak out at like anything at work. Like I stress myself out. I wish I could be more like this kid.
2: <laughs> I, I think we all wish, you know, when we were that age, especially we could oh be a little more like that. But.
4: Yeah, <laughs> was this senior class loose? Or was, or were they loose headed to the championship game?
2: You know, I I think they were pretty loose going into the championship game. I I think once they got through that semifinal game, they they felt really. Uh, confident going into the championship game i i just think you know you get to the semis three years in a row and you know you, dr- you drop the game and um you know they, they knew they just had this one last crack at it and you know and give give rockville credit actually you know I'm, i mean i'm sure no one gave them a chance in that game probably thought we were going to win 15 nothing and you know their lefty there did a good job keeping them in the game you know and and as that's going on, I'm sure our kids were like, wow, I thought we were going to jump out 8 nothing lead on here. We're in a tight game here in the sixth, so... Was there ever... I, I, just, I just think getting that win took a lot of pressure off.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, like, you know, losing to Seymour last year in the semis, um, was that kind of like a rallying point for this team this year where it was like, hey, you know, again, a lot of people expect us to be in the finals last year. You guys lose to Seymour when you got to the semifinals and it's close against Rockville. Are you guys at all like, uh-oh, like, here we go again, like, or you know, and how, how did you guys use that from last year to get you well? Know, we past you, we it?
2: used last year pretty much, um, you know, all season long. Yeah. Actually, just ne- never overlooking your opponent because you know, to be honest with you, last year we we played Seymour and we and these kids had played Seymour a couple times in the regular season and the scores really weren't very close. So <laughs> I think I think they came in like just you know they undersold Seymour and we we told them not to and I think they you know. Once that happened, they just saw that you know it's it's baseball you you actually have to show up and play every single game, and each game is c- so completely different than the next and the one before, and it's just the hardest sport to to win a state championship in because you you just have to be so consistent for so many games,
3: yeah, you have to be perfect right I mean there is no room for error at all during a ba- first of all, in any baseball game, you make one mistake, you know the ball hits a rock and kicks away though. Whole game's different, but when you're in a single elimination tournament in baseball like that, I mean you have to be perfect to win a championship.
2: Yeah. And um, you know, we were fortunate to be to be honest with you that we, we really didn't make any self inflicting mistakes and we played pretty clean ball and I think that was a big part of, you know, the run we went on there at the end.
4: You guys obviously going through the FCAX is tough, but you also scheduled Bethel, Hamden, Saint Paul, Sheehan. How important were those games preparing you for a state tournament?
2: Uh, you know those games are huge those out of conference games i mean they could go either way if, i mean if you look at certain teams you know they'll go play i don't know plattech twice or right i don't you know n- nothing against Plattec. but no, i no but I'm they're just, picking
4: up wins you know, I, yeah
2: yeah I, I just i'm not really sure what you're getting out of those games but yeah. i you know i think i have respect for all those out of conference programs we played uh, you know it's like st paul we went up there last year and they you know they really handed it to us so yeah you, you <laughs> I, got we, them back we we have a lot of yeah, they, it, I mean, St. Paul's got a lot of good young talent. Yeah, I yeah.
4: do. <clears throat> it's a good team. Um, the the FCAC, I want to ask you to keep it with the FCAC this year. The senior class in the FCAC, obviously you guys had an amazing senior class, but have you seen a senior class as a whole as good as this one in, in your time in the FCAC?
2: I, n- not, you know, not this deep. I haven't seen it for sure. Um, I actually, to be honest, was texting with, you know, McFarland, like during the season, and we were talking about how many great players there are because, you know, he had a lot of scouts coming out to his games for Chad. We had scouts coming out for Paolini. You know, you have Montana, Zamarslak, Henry Williams. So at one point, we were like, we could get five, six kids possibly drafted out of one league. And for a small state like Connecticut to have, you know, one conference, have, you know, four players get drafted, I mean, that just speaks to how deep and how great this class was.
3: Yeah, I mean, it was. Pretty incredible. Um, I mean, you know, last year there was a lot of talent in the state as well. I just – is it just – is this like a – not a new thing, but it just seems like baseball just continues to get better and better in the state of Connecticut. And, you know, um, Scott and I were talking – uh, earlier this year, like a couple of years ago, like this senior class when they were sophomores, they were playing at such a high level that you knew that their when their senior year came, it would be special. It's like that currently right now in the SEC where they have a lot of sophomore talent that are making their way up. But it just seems like every year the talent in the state is getting better and better and better. Is it just from playing like a lot, or like is there anything that that you've noticed that you know baseball in Connecticut has really just taken that next step?
2: I think a big thing is, you know, if, if you if you listen to the narrative nationally, it's that, you know, baseball is like a somewhat dying sport, but I truly believe it's just, you know, there's less kids playing it because they're weeding themselves out. It's such a difficult sport to play, mm-hmm. it's such a mental sport, and I just think these kids now that play, they, they even though I'm not huge into specialization, <laughs> they do specialize now yeah. in just one sport. and. They focus on it all year round. They they train and they're just you know they're 12 months out of the year doing something related to baseball. And I think you know you're you're seeing that the players themselves, the talent, the physical skills are they're just getting better as opposed to you know maybe they were 15 20 years ago.
4: Coach, we we've all talked about Steve Paolini. We've talked about. Um... Uh, some of your other guys, but the guy that you keep talking to us about is Charlie Pagliarini. Tell us what's so special about Charlie.
2: You know, to Charlie. Uh, I I just find it funny. It's 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 really hard to for a kid to go, you know, get a little bit overshadowed by other guys, especially when you hit five nineteen and home runs. <I> mean, but <laughs> but he, to be honest with you, even on top of his, you know, obviously baseball skills, he was just a great leader. Yeah. Man. He was, he was great in the weight room all offseason. Um, you know, he was really good with the younger kids. and you know, Coming toward the end of the year, we we even told him what a great job he did just at being a leader for the team. And I think that was a big part getting us over the hump. I mean, like I said, forget his 10 home runs, forget his 30 RBIs, but just the, the other little things, he was just such an incredible uh, player to coach.
3: Uh, just looking at his numbers, you know, you sent me um... – stats before the tournament right and Charlie was batting 469 at the time and he had 30 hits he finished after the tournament 519 and he had 12 hits in the tournament and he had 12 hits in the tournament
2: (laughs) 12 hits in the tournament
0: I
3: mean
4: he he (laughs) those are outrageous numbers I mean really
3: (laughs) those are just it's absurd I mean obviously big time player obviously a big part of your championship run, but 12 hits in the tournament is stupid. I mean, and to raise your batting average that high, I mean, how hot and locked in was he during this run?
2: He was, you know, like at least two, three hits a game. Uh, You know, we, we went up to Northwestern and, uh, I'm not sure if you've ever been there, but they. they I uh, I fence. worked
3: there for two years. I covered the Berkshire League for two
2: years. <laughs> I was actually covered so,
3: so, yeah. <laughs> when you guys beat Northwestern in 13 in the final. That was the first baseball championship I ever covered.
2: Yeah, yeah. We, so, so we, going up there, we actually we have a, we had a lot of respect for Northwestern going back to that 2013. But they they don't have a fence out there. And right, they have a like a huge hill that goes up there. And you know, we were going over ground rules before the game, and they said, you know, if you hit it up, you know, on the hill. your your outfielder's got to run up and go get it. And I kind of looked at him. I'm like, really? The guy's got to run up that steep hill? And the coach was like, ah, it's farther than you think. And (laughs) Charlie put one three-quarters of the way up the hill, and their right fielder turned to the coach and put his arms out. Like, am I supposed to go get that? (laughs) And, I I mean, he he hit a couple balls in that game, crushed. I mean, I I even, you know, put me in awe. I, I couldn't believe how far he hit a couple balls. (laughs)
4: <laughs> that's awesome uh your pitching this year obviously your hitting was awesome but you don't win championships without good pitching how did you see your pitching develop over the season and, and get better you know game by game
2: you know going going into the beginning of the season we, we were thinking you know like Hayden Gourley was going to be you know one of our top of the rotation guys uh you know we had Ben Talbot who the last couple years he's going to Holy Cross and he threw a bunch of innings for us but unfortunately you know he tore his labrum and then Gorley had a little strain in his UCL, so we kind of just t- took it easy on him the rest of the year. So we, we kind of just had to change our pitching on the fly, and we we just we had to rely on a lot of different guys, but <laughs> thank goodness for Jim Evans, we relied heavily on him at the end. I mean, he-, he was 9-1 with like a 1-5-1 ERA, and that's not bad for really pitching not being his pri- primary thing. I mean, when he came in, we-, we knew he was a great hitter and a good defender, but... If you had told me, you know, his freshman year he was going to win nine games and have a one five one, I would have told you you're out of your mind. But, <laughs> and <yeah>. then,
4: <laughs> and then Michael Shaws, uh, he really stepped up for you as a relief pitcher, uh, especially in the state tournament. What did you see from him, uh, especially in that state championship game? Dominant.
2: Oh yeah, he, he's um, he's actually my cousin, second cousin. So oh. I, I always I always tell him he can't. He's got to watch what he does so he doesn't embarrass our name. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he, looked but, like, uh, he
3: looked like Jake Wallace out there uh, from UConn when, when he struck out those seven guys in the, in the regionals. He just came in and was just pumping. He got out of that jam real quick, and then I don't even think Wolkett knew what hit him the rest of the way.
2: You know, we, to, to be honest, we, we were actually almost leaning towards starting him in the game, and we would have felt pretty good with him starting. But, you know, like I said, Evans was asking for the ball. And when you have somebody who had won that many games – you know, we went with him, but Michael is just his demeanor is perfect for the situation he came in. He actually shows no emotion. If you if you ask his teammates, like he barely cracks a smile. If you go back and watch that celebration at the end, the kids are trying to knock him down in the dog pile, and he's just like moving off to the side, like let's well, he, go on to the he, next. he
4: day. almost walked off. Yeah, he, that's right. I, when I watched the video, he almost walked off the field like it was the sixth inning, like he hadn't <laughs> won a state championship at all, and I was like. I didn't know if he, if, if he realized it was the seventh inning or not. He must have. But uh, did did he develop this year? I mean, I don't remember him from last year as much.
2: Yeah. So last year he he actually he he was hurt. He okay. had a UCL he had a UCL injury, and we were kind of like hoping to, you know, get him some experience, and uh, it just didn't work out that way. But th- this year. He, uh, you know, he, he came on strong at the end. You know, he's got a little pop. He throws strikes. He actually, I think he walked four guys all season in about 35 innings. So <laughs> there's, the, my guys know there's one thing that drives me absolutely bonkers is walks. Yeah. So he's he's my favorite when it comes to that because he doesn't walk anybody.
3: Yeah, we were talking to uh, the Coventry coach earlier today about that, and he was basically saying the same thing. He's like, I'd rather them put the ball in play. If they get hits, they get hits, but you cannot give away free passes.
2: No, when you when you're a coach watching, you know, a pitcher struggle to throw strikes, it's it's a very helpless feeling.
3: I
4: yeah, that's <laughs> true. Uh, uh, ben didn't play for you this year, but he was there the whole season, right? I mean, what did he mean to you guys that, that he was around the team all year, and what did he mean to the guys?
2: You know, it, it meant a lot to everybody. He we we actually got him some at bats. He's actually a pretty good hitter. Yeah. So he uh, you know, he had some pinch hit duties, but he he did a lot of like, you know, small little things with you know, at practice, just extra help with, uh, you know, just even picking up balls, taking the ball bucket. I mean, he's a senior captain. He doesn't have to do that stuff, but he, you know, never questioned anything, and I think I think he just wanted to contribute any way he could, and I'm, I'm sure it was, it was difficult on him all season not be able to, you know, be out there with his teammates, especially pitching, because, you know, he's, for the three years prior, he had thrown so many innings for us.
3: Yeah, you know, what does that say about the program that you've built? Because... I was, while I was taking photos during the game, I I bumped into two kids from your 2013 team. And we were reminiscing about the glory days. But, um, (laughs) you know, they were there. They have the rings on. You know, uh, one of them's a cop. One of them works. I forgot what the other one does. But they were, like, just so proud to be there. And, uh, yeah. How, how proud of you, obviously winning is so important, but how proud are you that, that you've built a program that guys want to come back and they want to watch and then you have a senior who's hurt who wants to contribute and stay part of the team. I mean, where does that fall in comparison to winning games? I mean, that, that just seems like such an important, incredible thing.
2: Yeah, for, certainly, you know, those relationships you build with, you know, your players over time. Uh, you know, I still keep in contact with many of my players, you know, sending me texts throughout the day. You know, I tell them, hey, once you turn 21, call me. <laughs> you <know>? That's right. <laughs> but uh, and and a lot of them do. So, but it, it it means a lot that they keep in contact, and you know, they come out to practice, and you know, they're texting me before the game, coach. I'll be there. I'm going to wear my ring. And <laughs> they were nice rings. Know, I, <laughs> Yeah. But uh, you you know we 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 would say that. We've had a lot of great teams that didn't win. So when these teams do win, to to me, every team I've ever coached is a big part of it, and I I, I like I like to share that with them. So I always shoot them a text after the games, like, hey, this this one was for you guys, so because I I know how hard they worked and they wanted to win one, and you know how close a couple of teams actually got. You know, we we went to the semis a couple of times and you know lost in extra innings a few times. So
4: this group was. You started a lot of these kids as sophomores. Um, what was that process like? Kind of being like, we are going to rebuild with you guys right here, uh, and going through and taking their lumps and everything. And what was that like? You know, going through the last three seasons with these guys and, and kind of building them back up.
2: Oh uh, yeah, you know, we we basically, like you just said, you know, that a couple of years ago, we we just decided we were going to go young, and that they we felt like the young guys were the best players and they had the most talent and you know, as much as that probably upset some of my seniors, upperclassmen, I think once they saw these guys play, they realized, wow, these kids are actually pretty good. They deserve to play. And, uh, I just think the experience they gained throughout those three seasons definitely, you know, came into play on that Saturday night. I think it was a huge part of the game.
3: You know, coach, um, It was a long, well, a long time between championships. Obviously, you know I'm sure teams would be happy winning in 13 and 19. Um, but when you when you build a program to win every year and the expectations are so high, even last year they were high. This year, obviously, how do you? temper that in the locker room and, and have the kids kind of not reading the press clippings, even though we love when you guys read stuff because we get more views. But, <laughs> but how do you temper that in the locker room where it's like don't read what's on game time, don't read what's in the paper, you know, who cares what everybody – you know what I mean? Like how do you temper that in the locker room to just keep them focused on the goal?
2: You know, we, we draw back on like past experiences we had with other teams, you know, some of their teams being included where, you know, at the beginning of the season. You know, you're you're getting a little hyped, over over hyped sometimes. Yeah. You know, and as a coach, that's one of the worst things you want to see. So we would just draw upon, hey, it was like this two years ago. It's like this three years ago. You guys saw what happened at the end. We at the end of the season, we have nothing to show for it. At you know, so these kids wanted to you know, twenty years from now, walk into that gym, look up on the wall, and see a banner that says 2019 on it, and. They're going to be able to do that and experience that forever. There's nothing
4: better, nothing better. Uh, Jim, thank you so much for coming on with us. Congratulations again. Uh, You know, we said this to other coaches, but it's true. The the teams that won this year, you guys, Waterford, Staples, you guys have great programs that are sustained year in and year out, and you guys are all doing a fantastic job with that and, uh, you know, we've had a real pleasure watching the I, I've had a pleasure watching this team grow up the last few years so. and
3: I as someone who jumped on late and you know not getting to see them the first couple of years though they've been uh, while well, they mash and uh, I think that's the one thing I will remember about this team is that they just straight up mash but they were all good kids and you know great to talk to and uh, it was a fun run
2: absolutely guys thanks so much for having me on and I'm, I'm glad these kids are getting the recognition they deserve thank you absolutely right. hey
3: we'll see you in football in a couple of months
4: right
2: Oh, absolutely! Can't wait. <laughs> have a good
4: summer, Coach. Thanks.
2: Thanks a lot. Bye.
4: All right, we want to thank Jim Shavs for coming on with us. Um, I mean, it must have been so. We asked him this, but it must have been just so awesome to right fill that lineup card every day. It's oh, like, I know that was like oh, the f- Pagliarini and Paolini and Evans. And then, <laughs> oh, I'll put Kirby down in batting eighth. <laughs> like that lineup.
3: That yeah. lineup was fun to watch. They every ball they hit was hit hard. Uh, even even the outs, yeah. you know, they, they were line drives. It was awesome. And we talked about it with him, uh, pa- uh, Paglarini. I mean, you want to talk about a tournament? That kid was batting 4. He was batting 4.69 uh, going, going at the beginning in. of the tournament, yeah. and
4: he finished batting 5.19. <laughs> it's unheard of. He had 12 hits in the tournament. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. Oh, man. It's crazy stats. I know that, that in a few of the games, they were not playing competition up to their level. That's just the nature of that tournament. That they're in. It's not their fault where they're placed in baseball. Um, They just go out and play. Yeah. uh, And to score 61 runs in the tournament, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy, and that lineup was – I don't know if we'll see many lineups like that come along where you have, like, three kids batting over 500.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they – I think we'll talk about this more kind of at the end of the show when we go over the final poll, but – We were joking with, uh, we're going to get to the interview with Jack McFarlane, but we were talking about, you know, the double L tournament and how they have to play all these FCAC teams, and he kind of wanted to try and avoid them if he could in the tournament, and then we were, like, talking about St. Joe's, and it's like, uh, they just, like, the tournament for them was like a vacation because their regular season is so difficult that they get to, then when they get to the tournament, it's kind of like, oh, like, you know, at the beginning of the tournament, at least. Well, not
4: but, even – just just their FCAC part of their schedule is difficult. And then when you add in the fact that they played Hamden, Bethel, and St. Paul, yep. like, those are three really yep. good teams. Yep. Um, so, you know, shout-out to St. Joe for having a fantastic year. We'll see – you know, next year he's going to have to rebuild again because they're losing a ton of these kids. There's yeah. so many seniors and He's losing this a team.
3: lot of talented players on that team.
4: Um, but I think they will be okay because uh, I think Jim just does such a fantastic job with that team and with that program that they're they're in contention every year even even two years ago when they were those kids were all sophomores and playing they were still tough team to play week in and week out all right uh let's get to class l class l with waterford another one nothing game waterford scores a run in the top of the seventh jared burrows makes it hold up uh just a dominating performance by him 82 pitches a complete game 10 strikeouts to knock off number one Berlin, one nothing, Waterford is champions for the second time in three years. They are a awesome baseball program. We're going to say that a lot on this show because Staples and St. Joe and Waterford are awesome baseball programs. Coventry's and, and, getting and, there too, and, baby. And, and Coventry for a class at school is an awesome baseball program. Yeah. Like You make two finals in a row, you're doing something
3: Yeah, and, and Guy Brisson and said it in the interview. He, you know He's just talking about what they're building. And they're losing two guys that... I believe contributed like started. Yeah, they got a lot back. And, and they're going a lot and, back. <laughs> and so does Waterford. So like we you know, you're not going to get to know who Coventry is. Get to know who the Patriots are cuz when I saw them last year in the finals, I remember Scott and I were walking in and we're like, "Wait, what's their nickname?" And now like I can't talk about the best players in the state without talking about Matt Cook. Right.
4: Uh, and they were awesome so without further ado i think i've said that three times now uh (laughs) we will throw this to our interview with waterford coach art peluso uh, and we'll be right back after that (laughs) We, we are joined now by class l state championship coach art peluso of waterford coach welcome to high and tight thanks for joining us wow thanks for having me uh magical run by you guys um this obviously started in the ECC tournament for you. You you had, I think you lost, you know, a few games down the stretch there. What happened in the ECC tournament that kind of turned on
0: a light for this, for this team? Well, um, I think, you know, the schedule that we played, um, through the regular season kind of helped. Um, and then we just, um, you know, the bats started to warm up and, um, you know, we carried that through the ECC tournament and then, Obviously, in the state tournament, um, we faced some good teams with quality pitching, and we just, um, you know, we scored enough to win some games.
3: Yeah, you talk about that schedule. I mean, that's something that really jumped out at me when we were like preparing for the state tournament. And you just look at the teams that you guys have beaten, or not beaten, but played. What went into putting that schedule together? Because, I mean, just to read it off quickly, your—let me find it. I had it written down somewhere. Um, I tweeted it out right after you guys won, oh, you guys played hand amity, East Haven, Cromwell, and Holy Cross as you're out of conference teams in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. what went you know th- what was the process of putting that together where you're like, all right, we're just gonna play, and we're gonna was it like we're just gonna play, we're gonna grind to get beat up and and just get to the tournament and be like prepared to go that that made yeah any I mean, sense? That was,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah that that was kinda that was kind of the mindset um, you know you need eight wins to get in the tournament and you know we figured um you know we should be able to get our eight wins might be hard but um facing those types of teams like you know hand amity i mean ledger we faced ledger was they threw ken turner all-state pitcher got drafted in the 20th round i mean we faced you know quality pitching um for the majority of our season um and uh, you know we they the ECC moved us up to Division One, which opened up more games for us to have to find. Right. Usually we got to find like three or four games. This year we had to find seven. Um, so I just kind of sent out email. It took about three months to get, um, you know, to get all these teams on board. But <laughs> you know, it was it was it was well worth it.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I was talking to uh, Jared about it after you guys won. And I was like, that's schedule, and he's like, honestly, he goes. You know, when you guys play a schedule like that, it's, you always have to be up. You know, you can't take a day off. You can't, you know, kind of go into a game and be like, "Oh, maybe we'll take this a little easy." So, how mm-hmm. much? You know, how you guys weren't a regular 15 seed. You know what I mean? Like everyone's like, they were a 15 seed. It's like, no, they. I mean, they were technically, but this is a yeah. battle-tested team. That when you guys walk into the state tournament, did you know you guys weren't phased? I would imagine. I mean, when you guys open up the tournament, no. you know, you you beat you beat Windsor who was in the finals last year you beat Weatherfield, who who is the defending champion then you beat Law from the SCC and then you knock off Massick, who was a pretty good team and you guys beat them up yeah. i mean 16 runs yeah. not that was it yeah. easy but i mean were your kids even phased by the time you guys got to the tournament
0: no i mean well i think it was that you know we weren't we weren't going to show up and 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 say to ourselves like well we hadn't seen a team this good before because we we've seen we saw good teams you know, all year. Yeah. Um I mean there was one time where we played we played Ledyard on a Monday and then Amity on, on a Wednesday. Yeah. Um <laughs> and then we had the North Kingstown teams which are the North Kingstown, South Kingstown teams which are very good teams in uh, Rhode Island. So it was like we didn't have any there was no breaks. Yeah. I mean and you can't throw your one, you know, your one or your two in and, and all those games. So you gotta figure out ways um you know to to just compete. And which is what we kind of did.
3: You have such a young team.
0: (laughs) Like, you look at that roster, and it's like so
3: many juniors. And, again, this was Mm -hmm. a team last year, obviously, with Mike Burrows, who was probably the best pitcher in the state last year. And you guys drop early. You lose in the second round after an amazing first round game against – well, amazing for us to watch. (laughs) But then you guys come in as juniors, and it's like they'll be here next year. You know, Waterford, they're going to go into the tournament, maybe they'll win a game or two, then they'll drop, (laughs) then they'll lose, and then they'll be back next year. But instead, you guys win. Did you guys hear any of that, or did you even think, like, heading into this year, like, this is like our practice? Yeah,
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I heard, you know, I heard uh, rumors to that effect. But, (laughs) you know, when you get an opportunity, you know, you got to take advantage of it. And why wait for next year? When yeah. you're, you got to stay like within the moment. In that second round game last year that we um, lost, that was a 14 inning game to Bristol Eastern. We lost four to three, and the two guys who threw were the two sophomores who are now juniors, Jared Burrows and Ryan O'Connell. Yeah. So they did some growing up in that game, which you know prepared them for this year. You know, they they knew that they could compete at that level and do well at that level. So, you know, I mean. Yeah, you don't want to go out in the second round, but um, you know, it was a learning experience when they were sophomores. You
4: obviously had a lot of juniors in this team, but the couple seniors that you had, Ben, Caden, Sonny, like how much how, were they the big leaders in this team? Were they the ones that kinda of galvanized the you know, that whole junior class?
0: Oh yeah. Um, you know, they kinda Sunny well, Sonny Pizzello was out, um, which I don't think a lot of people understood. He he's a middle of the order guy and he was out for more like half the season um he had some back issues and then when we got him back we got him back the 20th game our last game was was a Saturday against um North Kingstown we got him back and he gets a couple hits and drives in three runs and that kind of changed the look of our lineup um it put some guys in in better um in better spots in the order to be successful um so that was huge when we got him back but um you know we only had five seniors um, and they all you know the thing about the kids that I get to coach is that they they show up every day with a purpose um, and the purpose is to get better um, they're always uh, i can't i would i can't say enough about them I mean they just um they're just good guys to be around for the three months of the high school baseball season
4: what's the culture of baseball in waterford i mean obviously a lot of the sports programs at waterford are successful right now but to have Mm -hmm. you know a town out in the ecc that's able to sustain success like this do you guys have a good youth program like or or is it all starting in the high school like how are you able to sustain success
0: now yeah the um well the the feeder systems are phenomenal yeah um i got a couple of kids who are in it now um and i mean it's uh it's the the number of kids for a small town it's a relatively small town in our school we only have like four hundred boys in the school yeah um, but the amount of kids that play baseball um even with lacrosse that kinda is uh blossoming in this town um there's still a lot of kids that um try out for the high school baseball team and the little the you know t ball um little league babe Ruth, they all do a great job and with the kids and then when I get them they're they're um you know they're ready to go
4: and are the kids and the younger kids that aren't in high school are they involved in the program are they coming to games are you guys encouraging that
0: um like uh literally kids, yeah like yeah like, literally kids middle school kids uh, yeah um well yeah we uh well you'll see a lot of them at, at our home games yeah um you know just their dads will bring them because their dads played in the program and now they have kids so they'll bring them and then we uh we're starting to run a program that um each age group Mm -hmm. um, we're going to have them you know like come to a game um have them meet the kids so they kind of get that um you know that feeling that you know they're you know obviously a part of it and will be a part of it you know moving forward um as they get older are there any more we try to you know
4: are there any more Burroughs kids coming through that system? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I wish. <laughs> uh, hopefully hopefully when they uh you know grow up uh and they're get kids. married, they stay in town. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, how impressed were you with Jared to obviously you knew the talent that he had, but I mean, obviously, Mike is his cousin. Like, there is a shadow yeah. there. When you see that name Burroughs, like, we were talking, we're like, oh, at the beginning of the year, we see Burroughs. We're like, I was like, oh, I wonder if that's his uh, brother or his cousin. And, you know, we found out that it was yeah. his cousin. So, immediately, okay. you go to the comparison. And, and, obviously, that's not fair. But how mm-hmm. impressed were you with the way that he was has been able to kind of handle that? Because, I mean, what... Watching Mike pitch last year was one of the best things that I think I've ever gotten to cover, just the way that he went out there and he was just absolutely dominant and then you're like Jared and you're like, "Oh you're a burrow, so are you good just as good as Mike <laughs> you know and that's obviously yeah. not fair to him, but how have you how impressive have you been with the way that he's handled that
0: well Jared Jared's a you know he's he's an unfazed type of kid um the moment's never too big for him. Talk about a work ethic I mean he's like uh uh, seven days a week, twenty-four hour a day kind of guy around baseball, and he's more than just you know baseball. He's a great student. Yeah, you know he's. I mean he's at the top of his class. He wins science awards. I mean he just has. He's got a very dry sense of humor. Nothing is really, um, you know, nothing really gets to him. I mean, you know, you see some kids, uh, you know, they're they're pitching. There's an error an or two behind them. Jared's response to that is, I'll pick him up. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's he's like team, just team-oriented kid, um, and that's why he has success. He works hard. He shows up every day with a purpose. <laughs> you know, I mean, th- y- you can't ask for anything more.
4: Did he talk to his cousin at all during the year? I know his cousin's obviously busy, you know, playing college. But were are they? Do you, do you know if they were talking during the year at all?
0: I, I can. I didn't get that question. Oh,
4: was, were Jared and Mike able to speak to each other at all during the season? I know, obviously, Mike's busy.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm sure that happened. I mean, Mike would send me, um, you know, he would send me text messages, you know, good luck, you know, in the tournament and whatnot, and where he, he's at right now uh, with the Pirates. So he keeps in touch, which I um, which I really appreciate. Sometimes Michael will show, uh, send me some video of him, which is great. <laughs> so then I can share it with the kids, you know, I mean – I like to keep the kids updated too on on his progress.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I follow him on Twitter, and he he's um, oh, I forgot where he's in Morgantown this year, but he's with a uh, like the yeah. short season team, which I thought was really awesome to be that young, yeah. and because uh, usually yeah. they'll kind of take pitchers slow, especially right out of high school, and he's kind of like going yeah. quick, so it was awesome. See, great kid as well. Last oh, year yeah. was your yeah. guy's first year in L. You won the M title two years ago. Now, you guys are Mm -hmm. up in L for the last two years. Has that been a big change, a big kind of step up for you guys where it's like, you know, M, you look at the, obviously, you look at the tournaments and the double L tournaments Mm is fantastic. The L tournaments are very good. And then you kind of, I mean, I would have loved to have you guys in M this year against St. Joe's because that would have at least been fun to watch. (laughs) Um, But what's been the biggest difference between M and L for you guys or has there really not been one?
0: No, you know, we try to keep the mindset where we just, um, hey, you're, this is a team that's in front of you, and you, you know, you go, you you just get after it. You, you figure out a way to, to win. I mean, obviously, we're probably, I believe, we're the smallest school in Class L, mm-hmm. um, with like just boy numbers. I think we were at 427 boys, so I think, and I think that was the cutoff. Um, but you know, we've been in L before. In uh, 2013, we were in Class L, and we got to the state finals and lost to uh, New Canaan. Um, so I mean, it's not. Um, you know, it's wherever they put you. You gotta, you gotta show up and compete. So, yeah. and that's what we try to do.
3: Did you know that Scott is a uh, new Canaan, former New Canaan baseball player himself? No, so, if true. you if you want to hang that. up on us, it's okay. I understand. Yeah, I did not know that. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, was a, that was a that was a proud that was a Canadian, game. <laughs> uh, that, that was a
4: great game. It was a fast game, uh, yeah. and it was our first title yeah. in like thirty something years. So. Yeah, That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I came <laughs> against you.
3: <laughs> How is yeah. um? Now that you guys have won two titles in three years, obviously the pressure is high. The pressure is always high. I feel like in Waterford to win titles, but what mm-hmm. what's been like the feeling around the school or the you know the program where it's like, all right, we're we're competing for titles now every year. Like this is like not something you know. We mm-hmm. have this X amount of um you know standards that you guys hold yourselves to. How long did that mm-hmm. take to build? Like you know, you talk to coaches. Talk to like a guy like Sal Capolet at Amity, we were just talking to Jack McFarlane at Staples, where it's like, mm-hmm. they keep calling it the program, the program, the program, yeah. and the, how long it took to build certain things. How long did it take for you guys at Waterford to to build this program where it's like, we're competing for titles every year, no excuses?
0: Well, the the, the expectation is that you compete for the state championship every year. And it's been, you know, I think that mindset has been since Coach Russo Um, was the first coach in the program, and then Coach O'Keefe, and then myself. And that's kind of, that's just kind of the way it is. I mean, you, you know, we have, um, we have talented kids, and they expect that um, you compete um, every year. Uh, I'll give you an example. Like we, on Friday, you know, we win, we win the state championship, one nothing, great game. No one really loses a one-nothing game. It's just something here, something there, you know, it just goes your way. Yeah. and when, you know, when I got off, you know, people were like, oh, congratulations. Uh, next year, you know, they're already talking about next year. Um, oh, I am too. You know, with, I'm, I'm already yeah, trying you know, to figure out where
3: I'm putting you guys in. I'm thinking about you guys. Yeah. You guys might be my early preseason number one team next year. No pressure. <laughs> no
0: pressure. Yeah. Yeah. No pressure. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, that's kind of like, you know, just, uh, you know, the environment that that uh we are in which is great you know it's great that you know that's the expectation um you know it's tough it's tough when it's tough to win a baseball state championship you know one and done that's you know baseball wasn't necessarily made to be played that way um but you know the expectation is that hey you got to win five games yeah so does does anything change
4: does anything change for you guys in tournaments? I mean, you've been so successful. Are you still approaching it the same way you approach regular season games?
0: Yeah, I mean, before you know, before we take the like in the state final game, I you know before we took the field, I said, look, guys, I go, this is, this is a baseball game. It's an opportunity to get better, play loose, play free, like no one's watching. Good things will happen. So yeah, I mean, it's a baseball game. Is yeah. there more riding on it? Yeah. Maybe there is more riding on it, but it's still fundamentally a baseball game.
4: So Pete and I want to come to Waterford next year. Uh, <laughs> what are the best places to, to go eat in the, in
0: Waterford or or the surrounding area? Um, well, personally, I like Filomenas uh, uh, um, is a good place if you like Italian food, and the recovery room is awesome. Ooh, the what's the recovery room? Would,
4: what's the recovery room? I like the, the recovery
0: summer. room. It's right by the hospital. Great <laughs> food. That's awesome. What a name. So that's for an after awesome all name. the people recover from being in the hospital <laughs> that they go there.
3: Yeah, that's a there used to be this restaurant by where I grew up and it was called the Post Office and I always thought that was
4: funny. Was it next to a post office? No, it was <laughs> where, just called the Post Office. Where
0: did you office. grow up? Uh, on Long Island. Oh, okay. No. Yeah, cuz there's a post there was a post office restaurant in uh Rhode Island. Oh, okay. That was pretty good too.
3: Yeah, yeah, it was always weird. Like, whenever like we all turned 21, they're like, we have to go to the post office. And I'm like, what? go to the
0: post office. Yeah, like, I, you,
3: I, you know how hard it is to mail something now? Like, I don't know what. I've never sent the fax. <laughs> Pizza millennial. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess what, you know, it's been a couple of days um, since you guys won. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, it's been Friday. I'm sure you guys were partying it up all Friday night and Saturday. Yeah. But have you had a chance to kind of just look back and, and kind of not uh, not appreciate cuz i'm sure you obviously appreciate it but have you looked back yeah. and kind of like tried to describe how this championship was or or this run was of this team that again everybody said should be here next year but have you had time yeah. to kind of like reflect on it and be like damn that was a lot of fun
0: yeah i yeah i the um you know cuz i teach in the school um too so i see the kids faces and i think some of them are still kind of in a little bit of um Disbelief, you know, when you look at them, and they actually say, "I can't believe it." I like, that I can't believe it. Don't send me a text message. I still can't believe it. Um, but uh, you know, I and I send it back. Hey, believe it. You did a great job. You <laughs> yeah. earned it. Um, but um, I don't know. It was a uh, that we ended we ended well because the kids never they never quit on themselves. Um, you know, they believed in that. You know, if you just kind of stick with it. And you show up every day, good things will will happen for you. Yeah. And you know, good things happen for them. So, you know, it's a it's a credit to them showing just showing up every day because there was some tough times. I mean, we're not used to losing nine games. Yeah, yeah. You know, that just but you know they they kind of didn't let it bother them. So, you, went, you know, I, th- them.
4: I think you mentioned after the game something about a fire truck ride for the winners. Is that you? The
0: fire truck ride. Oh, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. right. <laughs> did you guys get yeah. to do that yet, or is that a, a plan? We got thing? to do. It. Yes, we did. <laughs> we got to do the fire truck ride, and I'm sure people were calling up the town, going, "Why, why is there so much noise at you know 10 <laughs> o'clock at night? No one saw us; they just heard us. Oh, you did but, it! Oh, um, you did it! Friday it great night, great fun after the game. Friday yeah, night. Friday night.
3: Oh, how was that? Yeah, how was that the- hour drive home? By the way, I was actually wanted to know, like. That must have well, been a fun. That must have been a fun that ride.
0: The fun. Well, yeah. When I got, the kids were already on the bus. You know, we're still at Palmer Field. The kids are already on the bus, and uh, when I, I, I was like the last one to get on the bus, and I, I heard one of them going, uh, saying, "We're gonna break this bus." <laughs> <laughs> but they had the bus. Uh, they had the bus rocking. But you know what? The this is interesting. The second round game against Weathersfield, it yeah. was the same kind of. Intense bus ride home. Kids were just pumped up. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was such a great game, you know? So, I don't know. It was fun, though. It was fun. They had a good time.
3: What was the um, post game music on the drive home? Like, you know, Staples, they were you listening know, I, to Starships by Nicki Minaj. So, I need to know what you guys were listening to on the way home.
0: Yeah, well, they, yeah, they were listening to a lot. They had some kind of device that, you know, plays music and they sang to the music. But they listened to, they, they're an eclectic group. They listened to just about everything. Do you, hey, um, do you
3: sing along? Was,
0: well, they try to get me to, <laughs> um, to uh, do that. But you know what? If I started singing, the bus would break. <laughs> My voice isn't all that good. <laughs> I just,
3: I, like, as a, you know, Scott and I both played baseball in high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. it's just, it was always fun. Like, when you look back, it's like, yeah, there are those great memories, you know, when I, you know, went two for four and had four RBIs in the game. That was probably the highlight of my high school baseball career. But then the next day I went 0 for four and I grounded into three double plays. But what I always remember yeah. is those bus rides. It's those times where you're, yeah. you know, we were listening, Bananas by Gwen Stefani was like our team's song <laughs> sophomore yeah. year. I don't know why. But it's every time I hear that song, I just, I like go back to like playing high school baseball. It's the most bizarre mm-hmm. thing. So I just, I love those bus rides. Obviously, you guys, the way there is not the best because it's, for you guys, it's usually long. Um, yeah, but then those bus rides home and those are the things that you remember forever. Those are the things you're going to forget about that at bat where you struck out, but you're always going to remember that bus ride when you got coach rapping along, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, and I tell the kids that I tell parents that I go, you know, the wins and the losses, they kind of, you know, you'll kind of lose, lose that in your uh, memory, but you know, the process, you know, being with the guys, um, those are those are the things that you know you remember forever.
4: Yeah. Well, listen, Coach. We want to congratulate you again and thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come on with us. Uh, and we expect you know we'll see you for years to come. You know, at least playing in semifinals mm-hmm. or, or hopefully finals. I mean, the program you've built there is is really phenomenal and, and one of the best in the state, in yeah.
0: our opinion, for sure. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate <laughs> absolutely.
3: You and we'll and we'll probably have you on. This time next year, because like everyone said all year, it's ne- a Waterford's turns next year. So, yeah, yeah, right.
0: No pressure, though, right? No, no, pressure. no pressure. I'm going to vote you guys one. Yeah. So, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely, coach. Thank you so much. Have a great all summer. Right. Thank you. Bye. Thanks a lot, guys. Yep.
4: Right, bye bye. All right. That was Waterford coach Art Peluso. <laughs> um, y- you know, Talk about that bus ride. I mean, that we're going to break the bus. <laughs> that might be one of my favorite lines That's ever.
3: Honestly, like, Waterford, put that on a shirt. We're
4: going to break the bus.
3: Put that on a shirt next year for the baseball team and just basically be like Waterford baseball and on the back be like, we want to break the bus. Like, that. have that be your rallying cry yeah, for next w- year. when
4: you leave Palmer Field, you don't actually get to break the bus. Yeah. You get to say, we're going to break we're the gonna bus. We're going to
3: break the bus. It's like uh, Rob Connolly did it for the Wilton Girls basketball team when he took over there was burn the boats. Right. And uh, that's a very popular one as well. I know other teams have used that. But Break the Bus is a pretty damn good one. Break because, the Bus is
4: good and it's original. It's just yeah. some some kid yelled on the bus as, yeah, as Peluso's like
3: that. That's awesome. Like, you get to – and, again, obviously you don't break the bus. but
4: Don't really break the
3: that's bus. That's the rallying cry. like we want to get back so we can get on the bus and just let it go. Now, I don't believe Coach. I think he sings on the bus. I think he sang, too. I think he sings, too. So if anyone has any video, send it in. someone
4: has a video of him singing on the bus.
3: If you have video of him singing on the bus, I need it. I need it. it. We'll post it on the Instagram and the Twitter. He'll hate me. But uh, this is, again, we talked about Coventry being back next year. This is a Waterford team that we are going to see next year. And I think we're going to talk about it later in the show, like a, a quick, fun preview into next year, some players that are coming back and teams. But Waterford... It's probably going to be a top three team next year to start the season in the poll because they, the guy, <laughs> um, the kid who scored the game winning run, and, and Maynard who got the game winning hit. Yeah. They're
4: they're the only two seniors that are graduating. Right. But yeah. they had the hit
3: and the run and the only run of the game, so
4: they're going to be back. But they got two good pitchers back too, oh. uh, and, and they're going to be very good next year. Uh, moving on to Double L now. Uh, Staples uh, defeated Southington three nothing. This was a big boy matchup all the way. Um, you know, two two good pitchers. Southington uh, did go to the bullpen uh, for a pitcher, but really well-played game. Uh, once Staples put up a run on the sacrifice fly by Rayback, Kevin Raybacks, it was kind of like, all right, I don't know if they're going to get the Chad uh, Chad Knight. Uh, Southington did put two runners on via walk in the seventh inning, and he kind of thought for a second, maybe they're going to do this again because they had walked off three games. They'd won every game by one. But I was still kind of like, I think Chad's going to take care of this, because Chad Knight is a -a once-in-a-generation kid, a -a once-in-a-generation player, and if you got the chance to see him this weekend, congratulations. (laughs) If you hate on Chad Knight, I am sorry for you, and I don't know what your problem is. You obviously have other issues in your life, but this kid is legitimately special, and you should recognize that.
3: We, and we talked about it with Jack at the end of the interview, but... You know, I've talked to a couple of guys who I've worked with who have covered high school sports a lot longer than I have, and they everyone says the same thing. When you think you look at his career, right now, obviously he's got to, he's going to go to Duke, and you know whatever happens to Duke happens at Duke. Maybe there's the next level, maybe there's not. You know, it is what it is. But looking at what he's done from little league to high school, the one name that everyone keeps bringing up is Chris Drury. Yeah. And obviously, Chris Jury went on to win the Stanley Cup with Colorado, captain of the Rangers. Pretty sure he owns Colony Pizza. Owns Colony Pizza now. Um, so, like, <laughs> that's the most important. Account. Yeah, yeah. So, like, again, anything can happen when you get to that next level. But it's just, it's pretty incredible that you know we were able to see. There have been great baseball players who have come through this state. There have. Look, you look at Staples alone. Ben Casperius, who's playing in the Cape this summer, one of the best pure baseball players I've ever seen. Pat Winkle. Unbelievable. We talked about Mike Burroughs with Coach Art on the interview. There have been so many great players that have come through. Just That was the last two years. Yeah. Uh, you look at what he's done over his career with the two championships, pitching two complete games in two championships. He finished the last 16 innings of the season for Staples. Look at his numbers. He scored 43 runs this year. That's insane. That says a lot about the Staples bottom of the order. Uh, not bottom of the order. The Staples order to get him in, but it was just it's pretty cool to see. I think we're all excited to see what he's going to do at the next level. Um, but at the beginning of the year, you know, Jack thought they were the best team. He he was very confident that they should have been number one in the poll to start the year. They were not. Fairfield Prep was because of me.
4: Because a Pete. I, I voted want, I, Fairfield
3: Prep one, and Prep was number one by, and what, and two I, points?
4: And I want to say that I voted Staples number one. and <laughs> I, I thought they were the best team all season, and I never wavered from that. I, I thought the only teams I voted number one all season were them and Cheshire. And yeah.
3: Cheshire won 25 games. Cheshire and, won
4: 25 games in a row. Yeah. Uh, so Cheshire was awesome, and they deserved a number one ranking all season because they maintained that all season. Mm-hmm. Staples did lose a few games. Yeah, here and but there they, yeah. Because they were playing in the best conference. The, yeah. The FCA was the best the conference. The shark tank, sure, as but. it were. So we should throw that over to Jack. All right. Uh, so here's our interview with Staples coach Jack McFarlane. We are joined now by Class Double L Championship coach Jack McFarlane of Staples. Jack, thank you for coming back on the show with us. How you doing?
1: Great! Thanks for uh, having me, guys. Really yeah. appreciate it.
3: Absolutely, not only a two-time state champion, uh, two times in the last three years, but now you are a two-time guest of the show. So thank you very much. Just as impressive, <laughs> and
1: that's the big one. And that is the big, big one. one. We got, we got, we got to get
3: you a shirt or something. <laughs>
1: Thanks,
4: Jackie. You've, you've had a few days to, you know, kind of decompress from the season. Um, what are your thoughts on this team? You know, kind of like you know, five days out from the championship. When you step back from it a little bit.
1: You know, when I step back and I look at the whole season, I just, you know, I'm just blown away by just the maturity of this team. Um, obviously, the leadership by our three captains and the selflessness and the, the lack of ego on any of these guys. I mean, nobody was jealous of anybody else. Nobody was rooting against anybody else. I mean, I've been coaching. I've been an FCI coach since 1989 in, in various sports. I've been coaching the Staples baseball 15 years. I just haven't had a group like this that is just so committed to just – doing whatever it takes to win the game. Is this your best group that you've had there? I think so. From just the leadership and a maturity level, it's just – it was just uncanny. I mean, we were so loose on the way going up to Southington. Of course, I was so tight.
0: (laughs) I'm thinking to myself, should I –
1: you know, they're they're just talking and listening to music. I'm saying, should I say something to focus up? And then I thought to myself, well, I have have Harry, you know, Drew and Chad back there. And they know how to handle this. They know – how to make sure that these kids go into this game playing loose like we've been playing and playing the right kind of baseball. So I didn't even need to say anything.
4: Yeah, those kids had been through so many big games, not just in high school, but before that, obviously. I mean, were they just kind of like extensions of coaches, those three guys? Oh,
1: yeah. They took away, you know, 40% of what, you know, normal coaches have to do and go through (laughs) through a season. You know, it, it was just, it was really unreal. And, you know. I mean, they walk into Palmer, and they're totally expected to win that game. You know, I'm like, you know, I know it could go—it's one nothing could go either way. They're just so confident, and they just believe in, in what they're doing. You know, and you know, examples—I bring this kid uh, Jack Shapiro in the game to, to put down a bunt. You know, against you know some pretty good arms at Southington, so Division One, Division Two. He comes off cold the be- off the bench, and you know, moves the kid over to second, and that guy, you know, that kid ended up scoring the third run, which is a huge run. And you know that's the kind of team we had.
4: And Jack was the kind of kid that didn't see a ton of playing time this year. Was he just always ready to do little things like that to He'd run listen, or bunt? He,
1: the thing about the guys on our benches—they they get just as many swings as everybody else. They're always ready to go. I said I looked them all in the eye before the game. I said everybody be ready today. <laughs> and that that was a spot that we had set up for him if it happened. And it, it was just uh, you know a great moment for for Jack. So you-
3: You know, you talk about the senior leaders and how confident and they, you know, made your job a lot easier this year. So was this your easiest year coaching? Like, you know, you kind of, (laughs) whatever. Not not easiest,
1: because when the expectations are, are high, when you have the best horse going into the year, it takes a perfect ride to win the Kentucky Derby. You can't, you can't have an injury. You can't have your ace go down with maybe a sore elbow. You can't have a kid slide into a base and turn his ankle One of your top guys. And we were able to avoid that. And that, you know, I've had teams, you know, that were, you know, favored or, you know, and, and things things go, you know, things happen during the season. Yeah. You know, these are 16, 17 year old kids. And, you know, you saw it with some of the other bigger teams in the, you know, in the Final Four had some key injuries. And, you know, staying healthy is a big part of it. You're not climbing this mountain and winning this mountain without everything going, you know, the right way.
3: Yeah. How do you guys manage expectations? Uh, like you said, they are 16, 17 year old kids. And, you know, when yeah. Scott and I and other media members are writing stories about them and voting them number one in the poll or, you know, saying, like, this team should win, like, no questions asked. How do you how do you manage those expectations where they don't buy into what we say or what we write and be like, we still need to go out and play the games, guys? Like, they're not won on paper.
1: Yeah, I mean, number one, you know, we've done a lot of things in the last, you know, five or ten years. So the expectations going into every year are high but you know we really preach that if we lose a game or if we don't play a, a game that you know we play a loose game if we can learn from what happened then it, even though we lost it's a win okay if you don't learn and you keep repeating those mistakes i think that's when you you know you start you start you know going through some 7 and 13s year in and year out so, you know, our kids are real good problem solvers, and, you know, that's another thing we preach. We want problem solvers in the game, on the field. And that's a lot of pressure. These things are going to happen that we're not going to be able to, you know, replicate in practice, or that have never happened before. Yeah. And, you know, you got to be ready.
4: And your, your kids look like they dealt with pressure really well, I mean, that's a lot of pressure to have on you all season. And like you kept saying, you played how many, eight elimination games, seven elimination games yeah. all season. Like, that's a ton of
1: pressure. How did your kids deal with that? Yeah. Listen, here, here's how we do it. We played eight straight elimination games, Scott. And, uh, at, you know, anytime you could be knocked out of those two tournaments if you lose. But Our league is so good. So good. The guys I coach against, okay, some of the younger coaches, Brett Connor ward he's unbelievable. Mike Scott at Darien, you know, Coach Shavs, DJ. And now you got some Hall of Fame coaches like Sean Rashford and Pete Tucci. I mean, that Norwalk team, when we played them, was like two and seven. Pete said, I just want to get him into the state tournament. They ended up at the end of the year crushing Danbury and Ludlow. I know. <laughs> I mean, you know, we talk about great you talk about a sport with great coaches that you have to be ready every single game. It's not like we play like in some other sports you play three tough games and you play two, you know, you play in the state tournament and there's four good coaching staffs in the whole league. Yeah. This is a shark tank. These guys are all oh, these are phenomenal coaches. Ooh, I when like I play that. a team when I-, I play a team guys that's that's out of state that maybe like a Mike Scott or or a um you know, or or Jimmy Chavs that they, they, they've played 'em, they'll semi scouting reports. I mean, you know, these guys are very bright guys. Yeah. I mean Brett Connor Ward, very, these are you know, these are bright coaches. I think if you look at a team like Trumbull, nobody's talking about it. we all knew they and all of a sudden the Trumbull machine showed up late in the in the quarterfinals, <laughs> just kind of you know, quietly under the so the league is really is so good that you know, I said it in the paper after the Trumbull game, I just want to play. I just want to get out of the FCAC. I don't care. If it's yeah. Cheshire, Amity, <laughs> Southernton. Just different. It, it's too much. It gets great. You know, we were 19-2 and two against FCAC teams this year. Yeah. Played 21 teams against FC 21 out of 28 games against FCAC teams. So, the, I think the league is what really helps, you know, these kids deal with the pressure. And I you, see, you know, St. Joe's and Derry, and they're all great programs.
4: You've been in this league a long time. This senior class across the board. Where do you rank them, and, and how good were this group of seniors? Where you had ended up having four kids drafted in MLB out of the FCIAC.
1: It's it's unreal. I mean, I was at the you know I was at the banquet the other night. I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at this center fielder for West Hill. I mean, what a specimen. Yeah. Uh, you know, Bobby, and you got you know Montana, and yeah, four kids drafted. I mean, the FCIAC was just loaded. It was real. I mean, that, that St. Joe's lineup i mean holy cow (laughs) i mean you know the kid the kid set the home run record the third baseman you had you know paellini in center it it was brutal yeah so it was just one of those years the fcx was just clearly it was unbelievable you know you know you take a team like danbury i mean it's just never fun to play
4: no and ludlow was pretty great too this year i mean obviously they put a whooping on you guys during the season listen i
1: thought you know we thought that maybe Cheshire might have been the second best team we played, and we thought Ludlow was definitely in the top three or four. Yeah, I agree. Did that game when, when
4: when you guys lost to Ludlow in the regular season, did that do anything to galvanize you guys, or was it just a move on thing? Like,
1: you know what? That was another thing about the maturity level. I had all my—I I, live in Fairfield with the Ward. I had all my Fairfield guys say, "Oh, you guys got crushed. What's going on?" <laughs> well, number one, with the run with, with the run rule, right? Yeah. And, and the fact that you have other games that week, sometimes you let games go at like six nothing. Sure. Like, you could have pressed hard and only lost seven, nothing. But you let a game go. You throw, put some young kids out there. And you lose 14, nothing. And, you know, I, I made a comment in the paper. There were no trophy tables here. I mean, we lost the game. We lost yep. a regular season game, you know. And yeah. sure enough, we played them again. There was a trophy table there, and it was a totally different. You know, everything was different about that game. The matchup, the whole nine yards. So,
3: Speaking of that game and speaking of the Act tournament, we had you on at the beginning of the season, and we talked about conference championships and the state tournament and, and what – has more value or what you guys value more. You guys became the first team to win the FCAC tournament outright and a state championship since two thousand. I mean that yeah. obviously that's very hard to do and you guys were able to do it. What made you guys different than every other FCAC team that has won an FCAC title and dropped early in the tournament? I mean we've seen Darianne do it. We've seen Wilton do yeah. it, where they win and you're like, oh man, they're gonna go in the tournament and they're gonna and then they lose in the second round. <laughs> And you guys were able to kind of push past that, and you know when we were watching the FCAC finals, I'm at the game. I'm like, well, you guys were my pick to win double L, and I'm like, oh man, if they win this, I might not, I might not be able to pick Staples. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> um, actually, we're the first team since 1986 to win the double L and the in the double L state and the FCI. Yeah, yeah. That was Trumb- Trumbull High did that with Coach McDougal, and they yeah. had a couple good. Kid named Bobby Vanchel pitching who threw really hard, but um. Yeah, that was Trinity
3: Catholic in 2000. They, yeah, Trinity they Catholic was yeah. Class S. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, um, not, not the it's big hard boy. hard to
1: do. That's not easy. easy. Listen, it's hard because <laughs> you you put so much into the tournament. My always, my thing always is, why aren't we you know making the regular season more of a big thing? Is it's harder to go 14 and two than it is to win a three game tournament? The better. Yeah. Yeah. But um. I think you got a glimpse of the just this, how special this team was, in the maturity level in the seventh inning against Ludlow. I mean,
0: I mean <laughs> guys are guys wild. are tweeting
1: guys are tweeting Staples needs a miracle, you know. And Andrew Moy <laughs> gets up there with one out, with one out and just just hits the ball up the middle. And My guy, there's life, there's life, and you know, then we get a pop off. There's two outs with a runner on first, and you know we Kevin Raybacks, you know, probably the biggest pinch hit in Westport history. And <laughs> he steals second. We get a hit. And in, in a matter of three minutes, it, it, you know, you're the champion. So the door got left open and we just ran through it. So
3: I thought Kevin you know, was going to get thrown out cuz he stumbled going to second. He did, yeah, he <laughs> slipped, he fell. He slipped, but, but it was not a good throw. So strong, I think yeah. I'm pretty
1: sure he knocked the ball out of the glove and made it hard for the second baseman. There.
3: Oh yeah, no, but I was like I was like, "Oh man, Jackson being aggressive. he might be kicking himself after that, but then the ball comes out. He goes, yeah. "My boy Andrew Moy. Let let's talk, look, Oh, God. <laughs> this is a pro-Chad Knight podcast. We love Chad Knight. He's been on the show. Oh, He's I, yeah. excellent. Of Every course. reporter that I talked to when we were at yeah. Palmer, they hadn't like covered you guys. And I'm like, yo, win or lose, interview Chad Knight. They're like, why? I was like, just yeah. do it. It's going to be the most impressive thing you will see this spring. Yeah. But my guy, Andrew Moy, and I said it on the show before. Game, I was like, he's going to be important if Staples is going to win. He gets that bunt down, runs straight through the oh. line. The ball's up the line. It hits. He runs through it. The ball comes out, and all of a sudden, you guys are going. I know we like we like to talk about Chad. We like to talk about Drew. Yeah. We like to oh, talk yeah. about Harry. But having a guy like Andrew Moy, that kind of glue guy, how important yeah. was he to to this team's run this year? Other than being my favorite player,
1: listen, he was the heart and soul of the team, and I'm, I'm glad you guys saw enough games to pick up on it. The other night at the banquet, we give out a, a Diamond Club Player of the Year, and in 15 years, I've only given out—I've only given out—given it out three times. And last year, I gave it out to Chris Durbel, the kid who went over the fence mm-hmm. and caught the ball, the center fielder. Who was at all and your playoff year, games Chris, this
3: year? What a guy!
1: Every single one. And this He's year the at best. the banquet, Chris Durbel came back and he presented it to Andrew Moy, <laughs> and Andrew Moy was just—I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. He was just unbelievable. He came, you know, he took the shortstop position and just. You know, solidified it. You know, he may not been as big and flashy and as talented as as Wainwright and Hernandez, but he was one of the most important players in the league. And you know, he he hit close to four hundred. He he did everything we asked. Yeah,
3: that's definitely important to have.
4: We want to ask you about another important kid on your team, uh, Dylan Curran. You guys call him Dijon. Uh, what, did yeah. he, what did he mean to this group of kids? And Because like, we see him after the game. He, he's in all the photos, hugging all the players. Like, They really seem to love him. And What did he mean to this group? Obviously, he's not on the field, but what does he mean in the dugout to you guys? Listen, D-
1: Dylan Curran, I call him my lucky charm. I call him DC. <laughs> the kids call him Dijon. Um, he was with the JVs in 2017. The JV season ended, so then I brought him up for the state playoffs, and he the greatest story ever is the West Hill, the West Hill quarterfinal. Yeah, I think it's nine, eight. And, you know, I, I'm, it's stressful, man. I mean, it's a stressful game. It's a it's a knockout game. It's a quarterfinal. And he, you know, he grabs my shoulder, and said, coach, everything's going to be fine. Don't worry about <laughs> it. And, you know, we got the last out. And I'm like, you know, he has, he's just the kids. They treat him like gold. They love Dylan. Um Dylan comes from a great family his mother and father are great people he's got a little he's got a little brother who plays in a little league and Dylan just loves it I mean he loves the gear he loves the uniform he's got fungo bats. Dylan's got everything and <laughs> the way these kids treat him is just like the whole town is just you know so proud I, 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 and, yeah and he's a voice
4: I hear on off your bench every <laughs> single game I mean he's always cheering always into the game like the kids must obviously must feed off that right Oh, he's unbelievable. He's just the, he's the
1: greatest. <laughs> I can't say enough good things about Dylan. <laughs> how,
3: how does having him on the team though um, help the guys on the team? Not the not the fact that they like love him and and that they appreciate but being able to like mature and and grow as people as opposed to just baseball players by getting to hang out and and, and be with someone like Dylan where it's it's more than baseball.
1: Oh, it's a lot more I and mean, it makes the kids you know, appreciate what they have. It makes the kids, you know, have to, um, you know, have to take a kid like Dylan and, and, you know, bring him in with them. And he, you know, he goes to the diner with them. He goes everywhere. I mean, <laughs> Dylan is, is, you know, they treat him like oh, they just, they love him, and they love him because of his personality. He's upbeat. He's positive. He's just always, he's always there. He's there for them, and they're, here, they're there for him. You know, I, you know, he's telling his mom, mom says like, oh, fam. I'm like, no, he, we need Dylan. You don't understand. We need him more than he needs us. And yeah. The kids love him and the coaches love him. And when he's not there, it's, you know, it's not good. Yeah. We, we love Dylan. <laughs> he,
3: he's great. Um, he's you know, great. You, you brought it up before and back to the FCAAC, Um You called it the Shark Tank, which I, oh, yeah. I think that's what we're going to call the fcac now. So the SEC is the meat grinder. <laughs> so the FCAC yeah. is now the Shark Tank. I'm making oh, that yeah. official. No um, great. And
1: but, there's some sharks in there. Tristan. Oh, my God, yeah.
3: But preparing for Southington, a team who you probably haven't seen a lot of. Obviously, you guys, you guys got there for the semifinal game in Waterbury. Yeah. But what was, the, what was the preparation or the strategy heading into this game where it's like, you know, they're kind of good late heroics. Like you say, yeah. they have the hammer late in the seventh. Yeah. But how did you guys prepare for Southington?
1: Well, we had a lot more data and a lot more information on Cheshire, so I felt really good about the preparation for Cheshire. You know, we knew we had to shut down Strollo and Downing, and you know, you know the, those are two big lefty bats, probably two of the better bats in the state of Connecticut. Southington, we never as much information But what we found. What we, you know, what we found on them, you know, we liked Newman, we liked some of their lefties early, but you know, we didn't think they had, you know, the, the big boppers that that Cheshire had. That they were going to scrap. They were going to try to push guys along with bunts. And, you know, they were trying to do what we try to do, get that one nothing lead. And, you know, that that was our big thing was to get the lead on them. You know, we wanted to throw over, keep the runners close, and, um, you know, to just play real sound defense. You know, our defense in the last two games, errorless games, against Cheshire and Southington. I mean, that's real high-level baseball. So
4: Your defense was fantastic this year. You had all senior infield, but then that junior, that junior outfield was really fantastic. I know yeah, was, yeah, you, I you called, and I have talked I about it.
1: Yeah, listen – High school coaches rarely talk about it, but they know outfield defense is is huge because you know I watched I watched Cheshire walk off somebody and I watched the tweet and it was like a fly ball to the right and it just kind of dropped and you know between the fence and the kid we have a rule the ball doesn't drop between you and the fence you go get it yeah and you know I call them the triplets out there the junior <laughs> outfielders they're, they're they're fantastic they're real good. And they're going to be real good next year.
4: And you guys were, you know, you might look at the score and not see this, but you guys were in a game with West uh, with uh, Wilbur Cross, and Zobel made yeah. two fantastic catches in right field, which really kept that game uh, where it was. Like without that, you know, yeah, Wilbur I mean, Cross could have a lead on you.
1: Yeah, I mean, Zach Zobel really blossomed this year. He was just a great corner outfielder. He got you know some great jumps on those short balls and took them away from Wilbur Cross because those kids get on base and they start running. It's you know they're going to score some runs there. So you're right. He you know. He was great the whole tournament. I mean, he just he just played great. I mean, he hit the line drive back at uh, Henderson, and he almost took his foot off. I mean, he, he 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 had a great state tournament.
3: Yeah, he definitely really came on late, and just I'm just I have the bracket up. I'm just looking at it right now, and I, I know you like the and we or we or we call it that because you do now, but the big boy tournament in double L. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. you guys were the five, which obviously is a good seed and a high seed and everything. I don't think anybody played a tougher road. To get to where you guys got, if you just look, you know, you brought up Pete Tucci and Norwalk, you beat them in the first round. Then you get Wilbur Cross, who has two stud players, and Andrew Marrero yep. and Angel... Galindez. Uh, Galindez. Then you beat Trumbull, who you 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 know, you said is, like, second-best team in the FCAC, or, or I forgot. Yeah, yeah. they're talented. They yeah. always have the talent. Then you have to beat Cheshire, and then you have to beat Southington. Like, yeah. how, There, was, I, no yeah, I mean, there exactly. was no easy way. Yeah, exactly. no
1: easy way. I, mean, just... I looked at the bracket when we started, and, you know, I, I told my guys right off the bat, Trumbull's going to be there. They're going to beat Southern. We're going to get three home games. Yeah. And I, I I preached to my kids all year, if we get to 17 wins, you'll get to three home games. Yeah. And, you know, obviously if South Windsor beat Trumbull, we would have traveled, but I had confidence that Trumbull would take them. And, you know, three home games, that, that was the one thing that helped us, even though those were all three tough games.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's just such a... You know, you look look and obviously the bracket, and we can have this conversation about how they should rank and sort and seed. But maybe it's just a double L tournament that is just stacked, where you're just looking yeah. and you're like, every game is a good game. I mean, the semifinals this and year you can't get away
1: from the FCAC, you know. Well, it's that's also true. You're playing yeah. FCAC teams again, and you just played them in the FCAC tournament and the regular <laughs> season. It's like, get me, you know, it was refreshing to play Wilbur Cross and even Chester, and just to get out of there, you know, and and, and Southington.
4: There's nothing you can do to avoid, like, Trumbull in the quarters, but would you like to see the state get rid of conference matchups in the first round of state tournament?
1: Yeah, well, the whole state tournament, that's a whole other thing. I, you know, I, I like <laughs> We well, could do see a whole other podcast where, on that. Yeah, I think I'd like to see somewhere where 16 and plays, you know, 16 through 32 play just yeah. to get in and get rid of all the, you know, the number one pitchers. So, yeah. you know, there's some advantage of being a number one seed in the state and not, you know, Hitting a John McDonald in the first round exactly or somebody like that, yeah. you know. <laughs> but that's a whole other thing. Yeah, I'd like to see that. But there's so many FCAC teams now. I don't know if it's it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's numerically possible for them to do that. And you're
4: yeah. all double L. I mean, except for Trinity. Yeah, you know, so yeah, and St. Problem. Joe's. <clears throat> oh, and St. Joe's,
1: right? <laughs> yeah, St. Joe's. They're lucky. Know. They get they get to get out of the Shark Tank. Yeah, <laughs> for
3: them the state the state tournament's a vacation. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But was there
4: anyone else on the team that got overlooked this year that that you saw game day in and day out that really meant a lot to your program?
1: Well, you got guys like Petro in center. You know, Zobel was so good that Petro got overlooked. He's just he's just a gamer, yeah. you know. He goes get he gets the ball. Uh this little kid Chris Van Russo at second base. I mean, he's the kind of little kid that I would have played with me at war. He's just tough as nails. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh you know, he had a he had a Real good state tournament for us, you know. Alex Deutsch is six and zero as a sophomore. He's six great. and zero. He yeah. was
3: I, the first I got to see him against Ridgefield, I think. And yeah. I, I just, I mean, he, again, he's a sophomore, so he's kind of like still growing. And I just looked at him. I was like, Yeah, oh yeah. I'm like looking <laughs> at him. I'm like, Huh. I was like, Who is this guy? What What's Jack doing here? And then he goes out and throws a one hitter. And I was like, Oh, okay, never mind. He just every year, you just find another sophomore that you throw on the mound, yeah. and we're all like, Who is this guy?
1: And you know what? It's important to do that. I think you'll see Darien. I think you'll see, you know, some of these other teams at Ward. They'll stick these guys in because you always have to have an eye on one year, next year. Sure. You don't want to get in a situation where you're replacing nine seniors, right? So I had another sophomore, this kid, Justin Lessing, who's going to be a real good one. Who He got He got some big innings in the state tournament. He did, yeah. Um, So, you know, we, and we're not afraid to just put guys in. You know, because you could always, you know, get them out, but just put them in there and let them let them do their thing. You know, that they're, they're going to be trained and practiced and ready to go. So, you know, it keeps the program fluid. Like our outfield will be back. We, we feel like, you know, our catching will be all good, good next year. We got plenty of arms. So, you know, everybody's like, oh, you know, you're not going to be 25 and three again. Yeah, maybe not. But we're we're not going to be an easy out either. So, you yeah. know, where the the program will keep being the program, and that's the key. And that's that's what you get with Southington and Cheshire. You know what I mean? And uh, Amity, you know the the semifinals was like the, all the giants were there. It know? was the best. Oh, it
3: was awesome.
1: I newbies newbies don't get in get to that point. <laughs> no, it's they very don't. Hard to
3: crack in. Yeah, you know. But once you get in, once once you get into the party, you never leave the party. Well, if well, they're if they're in yes, a, if they're in a draw, I mean. if they're
4: in a draw with you and Amity, forget it. You're not going to the semifinals. Yeah, no.
3: It's it's honestly at oh, this yeah. point, it's just kind of like unless like obviously you guys ran into Cheshire last year, but if you guys yeah, beat Cheshire, we you guys are going year, to the semifinals. We,
1: yeah, we learned our lesson last year by not winning a couple more regular season games yep. yeah. and having to play Cheshire in the quarters at their place instead of the semis at a neutral field, like yeah. a Municipal Stadium. Yeah,
4: no, it's true. So uh, I wanted to ask you about one more kid, uh, Ben Shatman. You said you know he he caught just for Chad. Was he huh? ready just to come up? You know, because that's all he really did, right? It was catch Chad this year.
1: Listen, he was Chad's personal catcher. He yeah. was about 145, 150 <laughs> he's about one hundred forty five, one hundred fifty pounds. He's he's tough as nails. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, when he wasn't catching Chad, I would send him down to the JV just to get the kids some at bats. Right. Because you know it's baseball; you got to play baseball. Yeah. Yep. And he would go down there; and he'd love it. He'd, he'd get two hits. He'd steal some bases. <laughs> but he knew, <laughs> he knew exactly what his job was when he came up with the varsity. And Chad loved him, and they, they had a special special relationship.
3: How do you get high school kids to buy into that? You said he knew what his job was. Look, it's the reality of this of of the of the state of high school sports where. Yep. Not every kid, but a good majority of kids think that they're superstars and their parents think that they're going to go play college and, and not, you know, not go play in college and get scholarships and, and, you know, be this great player. How do you get these kids to buy in and be, you know, it's the Bill Belichick, you know, verbiage, yeah. I, like makes my skin crawl to do say it, job. but like, yeah, <laughs> do your job. Like, how do you get, obviously it's, at the higher level, these guys are getting paid and it's a lot different, yeah. but how do you tell a 16 year old kid and it's like, you're not going to get a Bats Varsity, you're going to. Yeah, you're going to catch it one every four games.
1: It, yeah, it took us a lot of years to get to this point, but you know, if you compare it to business, like if, if you get a job offer from Google, you'll take it. You, you're not going to be the CEO, but you just want to be in the company, right? <laughs> I will never leave so, high and tight. If if these kids know that, hey, I might get a ring. I might. You know, I'm playing for championships. I'm going to be. Uh, you know, my games are. I'm going to. I might have a chance to go to Palmer Field and play a game. You you can you can extract extract that out of kids, and you can find role. You can find Jack Shapiro's and Ben Chapman's and kids who just want to be part of a team, and you know part of an organization that's going to win. Yeah, you know, obviously, if you're six and fourteen, and the parents are breathing down your neck, and it it, it makes it impossible. So it, it's it's real tough. It's you know you got to be a, you got to have your program at a certain level, and you got to try to keep it there.
3: Yeah, no, it's 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 wildly impressive because you just hear stories and and everything. From obviously, there's a hundred coaches and a hundred teams and thousands of players. But I one yeah. last question for you. Um, Wait, well, I want Oh to yeah. Add on to
1: that. If you if you have a kid like you know Ben Casperius or Chad, taking a kid like Shatman and these kids under the wing and say, hey, we you know we need you. That that helps the coaches. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. they look at the coach and say, yeah, he's just saying that to you know get me to come back to practice tomorrow. But when the, <laughs> when your when your classmate is is part of the leadership structure, it it just makes it so much easier.
3: Yeah. All right, one last question because um, we were talking about it in the press box after the game, and I've just been yeah. thinking about it. I, you know, as someone, I've only covered high school sports in Connecticut for over six years now, going on seven. Where does Chad Knight's legacy as a high school athlete stand? Because I think from what he did as a kid – to the, the hype that he had as a freshman, to you throwing him in the fire against Amity his first game. He wins two yeah. state championships. He he, he just was – and he's a great kid. Like, where does he rank in terms of high school athletes in Connecticut and history? I,
4: and I can only place him along with one kid, and that was Chris Drury. They yeah, that's only, what I the heard. The only kid I yeah. can think of. Yeah, that's yeah, what Bowley said,
3: too.
1: Listen. Here, here's what I, here's what I say. No, you know, number one, is freshman. I, you know, why I gets him against Amity, right? So he could beat Amity in Southington. His sophomore, junior, and senior year, <laughs> he had to know what the metrics was. Once he saw what it was. By the way, he had about seven strikeouts in four innings that day. Oh yeah, yeah he. You know, uh, Pat, Pat Pat Winkle. A two-run homer <laughs> the other way, but he was 12. Yeah. Um, where Where does Chad rate? I think it's very easy, and now, I don't know north of Fairfield County very much, but as far as Fairfield County goes. Ages 12 to 18, because who knows what's going to happen after that. I would put him right. I would say Bobby Valentine and Chad Knight.
3: Yeah. Wow. I mean, it. we, we were talking about 18, it.
1: As far as baseball. As far as baseball. Yeah. You want to talk about. Well, I just think in general. Athletes.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think for what then, he's, then he's then done. Then you bring in
1: other guys into it, like like Chris Drury and yeah. some track kids. and.
3: But I just think, like, <clears> the, <throat> the pressure. I remember when he first came up. I remember when he was in eighth grade and you were like, Pete this kid's the real deal, and I'm kind of like, okay, like, you know, let's see, and then you throw him against Amity, and he pitches really well other than the Winkle home run, and then the next year, you know, you kind of, like, you see some guys, and you're like, oh, they're going to be good next year. They're going to be good. He took, like, a gigantic, I mean, he was good his freshman year, but what he did his sophomore year, and you were like, this is what we're going to see for the next three years, and and, and we did see that. And I just think when you look back and you just look at everything that, you guys accomplished as a team with him, and you look at his numbers, and you look at the awards, and you look—look look, two state championships. I mean, other than Amity, you're not really no other team's really doing that to win two no. in your career yeah. again, unless you went to Amity. But it's, yeah. it was just impressive. And we were sitting in the press box after the Double L game, me, um, Scott, and Jeff Jacobs. And we were just kind of sitting there talking, like, "Okay, where does he rank? Like, did we just yeah. witness the end?" Of the greatest high school baseball career, you know, <laughs> overall. Did we just witness the end yeah. of it? And it was a good conversation to have, granted. He again, listened, only he's six years. He's,
1: so. def- he's definitely up there with all the great players, you know. Yeah. Pat Winkles. And the, like I said, as far as influential in Fairfield County, you know, Bobby Valentine. You know, Stanford Little League through through Ripplewam and all the stuff he did there. Now, after that, you know, that's obviously a different category. But wise, he's right there with all the great champions.
4: Absolutely. All right, Jack, we want to thank you for coming on again. Uh, congratulations again on your championship. Um, and, uh, yeah, like you, you've been awesome to us <laughs> for, forever, yes, but especially you. this year. You know, you, you're always very accommodating to us, and, uh, you know, your teams are always a pleasure to watch.
3: Yes, and uh, i got to yeah. get you a shirt. so Because because Meg right, has a hat now, we'll so sure now we you need a shirt.
1: To the pizza. We'll make sure we get the pizza truck there for you guys again next that's year. A big, oh, that's the a big only key. time I'll go. <laughs> that's a big <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jack, thanks thank so much. Thank you so much, Coach. Young, thanks for having us, and thanks for all you do for the kids.
3: Appreciate it. Thank you, too.
1: Bye, guys. All right,
4: bye. bye. All right, we want to thank Staples coach Jack McFarland for joining us. Uh, Staples, the poll came out yesterday, or two days ago, or whatever day. It came whatever out, day it came this out goes Tuesday. out. This is going to be a long episode to end. Um, so Staples was the unanimous number one. There was no question who the number one team in the state was uh, this time around. They won double L. They beat everybody. They beat Cheshire. They beat Southington. They beat Ludlow. They beat Amity. Uh, they beat St. Joseph. So they beat uh, the top, you know, they beat four of the top seven teams in the state this year on their way to FCAC and CIAC championships. So they beat St. Joe and Ludlow in the FCAC playoffs, and they beat the other teams in the, in the Class WL. They are the number one team in the state. Um, no one voted otherwise. Uh, <laughs> Southington was voted two. I think that they completely earned that by making the state final. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I voted Southington too, but I thought about putting Cheshire too. Uh, people did vote Cheshire too. There were a couple of people who voted Cheshire number two. But I felt I like don't them have a major problem with that yeah. because I, Cheshire lost to Staples. I thought Cheshire was the second best team all season. Um, so those I, t- I thought those three teams should be the top three in some form. And, yeah. and then switch Southington and Cheshire if you want. That's fine. But I was
3: close to doing it, and then I was like, you know what? Like they got to the finals. They deserve. You got to give them yeah. credit. But Ch- I mean. And they beat Amity. And, I'm trying to figure out what was a better game, when Staples beat Cheshire or when they beat Southington.
4: I don't know. And Southington beat Amity. Southington beat Ludlow. So, And Ludlow, to me, outside of the top, the final four teams, was the best team I saw that didn't yeah. make a semifinal this year yeah. uh, because they lost at, so, you know 3-2 to Southington. Right, so, so
3: what's the rest of the poll? We'll run through that quick.
4: Uh, we got Amity at number four, Waterford at five, uh, the L champs, uh, St. Joe, the M champs at six. Uh, Ludlow came in at number seven. Uh, Berlin came in at number eight, uh, the L runners up. Uh, Newtown came in at number nine. They lost in the quarterfinals at Double L, but had a really strong season. Lost four games um, and lost Amity by a run in the quarters. Uh, then Wolcott, uh came in at number ten. Um, you know, uh, I, I so <laughs> Coventry
3: just missed out. If Coventry I'm correct, just right? messed
4: out. So th- this is how I voted personally. I voted Staples one, Southington two, Cheshire three ludlow four, amity five saint joe six waterford seven newtown eight coventry nine and walcott ten uh that's how i voted um, i had um, i thought coventry with winning a state championship and only losing two games deserved to be a top 10 team uh walcott had a great season but they didn't win the title so yeah
3: see and i, I understand that that way of thinking for voting uh, i I'm kind of the opposite, so this was my poll. Uh, Staples 1, Southington 2. I put this on Twitter. Uh, Cheshire 3, Amity 4, Waterford 5, Ludlow 6. Very impressed with Ludlow this year. Uh, Newtown 7, St. Joe's 8, Hand 9, Wolk at 10, Berlin 11, Ledger 12, Notre Dame West Haven 13, Trumbull 14, 15, Coventry. Now, it's nothing against the Patriots. You look at Coventry, yes, when Matt Cook's on the mound, they can compete with anybody. I, I firmly believe that. But I think you need to take into consideration strength of schedule, who they've beaten. You know, look, a lot of people are not happy that I put St. Joe's eighth, and I get that. St. Joe's beaten. <laughs> this is St. Joe's beat to win the title Grosso Tech, Granby, Northwestern, Rockville, Wolcott. They beat a tech school. Uh, N Triple C team, a Berkshire League team, an N C team, and an NVL team, mm-hmm. and this is the team that plays in the FCAC. So yes, did I hold that against St. Joe's? Absolutely. Um, it's not fair to them because they can't. You know, it's not like they're sitting there being like, "Oh, we have to be an M." Like it's just the rules, and until the CIAC changes the rules, this is what's going to happen. That said, you know, I thought eight was perfect, and just because you win a state championship doesn't mean you're in the top ten. Right, but I get why people do that. Again, I like Coventry. I, I gave them a 15th place vote because they did win a state title. But other than that, they, you know, I, there wasn't even a thought in my mind that they were going to crack my top 10 because of how good Double L is. I mean, Double L is so good. And even L, when you look at what Waterford did, and I think a lot of people didn't look at their schedule. I think a lot of people, ourselves included, missed how good their schedule was where they're not a 12-18 and 18, when they play six SEC schools. You know, they played Amity and Hand, who were both in my top 10. You know, even East Haven was really good. So I just thought Double-O was so good this year, and L had much better teams where M was kind of like, other than St. Joe's and Wolkett was kind of like, nah.
4: All right, so I just want to real quick, uh, we always make fun of the preseason poll. However, uh, we did have prep number one. uh, That was a mistake, (laughs) but... Um, like I said, I voted Staples number one But number two was Cheshire, number three was Staples Number four was St. Joe's Number five was Hand, number six was Amity Number seven was Ledyard, number eight was South Windsor And number nine was Ridgefield And number ten was East Catholic Really, only Ridgefield and Prep uh, Maybe East Catholic Weren't worthy Didn't end up being worthy of that vote Otherwise, I think we got did a pretty good job With the preseason I poll kinda I kind of think say. we
3: got to throw Ledyard in there too, though because they bounced real early in the second round.
4: Right, but they had a great regular season and, and losing a one game No, I in understand I I'm not defining your season by I, look,
3: I I had them in my top 15. Right. I, I understand that. Um, but they were number 1 at one point and they won the same amount of state
4: playoff games as Fairfield Prep did. So, um Pete wants to talk to you about some stuff we might do this summer, <laughs> um and then we're going to get out of here cuz we've been on way too long. But. Oh
3: my god, yeah, the show's going to be way too long. Um so basically this summer Um, We're going to try and get some former players, some former high school guys who are playing uh, baseball around the state, Uh, whether it's summer ball or they're playing in college. Maybe we'll try and get some guys who are in the minors on. Cape League. Yeah, just trying to get some guys on to talk talk about their high school uh, days. We really love doing this podcast, and maybe one week will be Scott, maybe one week will just be me, but we're going to try and bring you guys some stuff over the summer because I have a lot of fun doing this. I think Scott does too. I do, yeah. Um, but Scott's ready to get out of here, so take us out for the last time, Scott.
4: All right. Uh, for Pete, I am Scott. And I want to remind you, even though it's the summer, keep your gloves down. Don't ruin the game for your friends. And we will see you over the summer and definitely next spring. Later.
3: Later, boys. So take you later. Dude, that's fine.